There is no better place. It's time to talk. The only way to get anything done in Cork is to go to the Interest. You know? <laughs> there you go. Fair play. Talk to Neil Prenderville. That's, that's a Cork threat at this stage, I think. <laughs> the Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. I just love Cork people. Conversation that matters. Uh, Neil is on a two-week break. This is Mick Mulcahy in until uh, Friday week. You're very welcome along to the Neil Prendival Show. And we'll kick off with uh, the paper review and a look at the main headlines. And uh, the weather being so biting as it is at the moment, let's look at the Independent first. Snowfall now likely as sub-zero temperatures are going to last the week. Motorists and pedestrians are being warned of ice on roads and footpaths. Laura Linnett reporting that Ireland could be in for snow tomorrow with motorists being warned of potentially icy stretches uh, on their morning and evening commutes this week. Met Aaron has issued a yellow weather warning for very cold weather and ice this morning up until 11am covering Donegal, Leitrim, Mayo and Sligo. And a second yellow low temperature and ice warning has been put in place. Uh, fair enough, these places are further north than Cork, uh, but watch out if you're in Leinster, uh, Cavan, Monaghan, Galway and Roscommon and some parts of North Munster as well. Forecaster Deirdre Lowe said the Warnings come ahead of a very cold weather system with highest temperatures reaching just one degree to four degrees Celsius today. By tonight, the mercury will drop again uh, to as low as minus four or minus five degrees. This will lead to ice, mist and possible fog. And there's nothing worse than having your car iced up and you didn't expect it or you didn't count for it and you didn't clear the windscreen and now you're rushing with bad visibility and uh, maybe leave yourself an extra five or ten minutes, get the car started and warmed up for you in the morning. It looks like most cars in Cork will be iced over. Uh, to the Echo and a call for City CEO to uh, assist businesses. Amy Campbell reporting that Cork City Council's chief executive is being urged to take proactive measures and help businesses in Cork amid deep concern for the recent announcements of closures in our city centre. White Rabbit Bar and Barbecue announced at the weekend it would be closing its restaurant on McCurtain Street after almost a decade. It said that as with other restaurants that have recently announced closures, the costs involved in running a full-service restaurant have become impossible to absorb. And there are many factors involved here, and we'll talk to uh, some Cork business people, including Pat O'Connell, uh, during the course of the programme, not least of which uh, among those factors is the warehousing of debt, uh, which was uh, allowed for during the uh, COVID pandemic, but now, of course, has to be repaid. And that goes on top of energy uh, price increases, though they are coming down right now. Uh, several other Cork businesses have announced their closures over the last two weeks. Uh, restaurant industry being particularly hard hit. Uh, Nash 19 announced its closure. Tung Sing, of course. Uh, and up to 1,000 small firms may go to the wall. I'm flipping over to the uh, Irish Examiner. Uh, the uh, article there makes for some very sober reading. Ronan Smith and Paul Hosford report that the cumulative impact of a series of cost increases, as well as the looming deadline to pay off warehoused tax debt, could lead to 1,000 business insolvencies this year, according to business consultants PwC. Businesses who warehoused tax debt during COVID restrictions must have it paid or have a payment plan in place by May the 1st. There is about $1.75 billion outstanding from around 60,000 businesses. Uh, however, about 85% is that, uh, of that is held by 10% of those firms, leading to warnings that hundreds of businesses could close 
their uh, their doors uh, insolvency being the only way uh, I, I suppose to carry on with life if uh, the business can't pay the warehoused debt then insolvency is the only option and uh, that doesn't really help anybody government sources say changes to the arrangement have not yet been discussed but one high level source said the situation would be monitored in light of a spate of high-profile closures in the hospitality industry. In Cork City alone, we've mentioned uh, most of these, four high-profile restaurants have closed in recent days. White Rabbit Bar and Barbecue on McCurtain Street, Nash 19 on Princess Street, the Tongue Sing Restaurant on Patrick Street, and Pigal on Barrack Street. And according to PwC, recently uh, predictions have stated that the number of business insolvencies would grow to 1,000 this year at least, with retail, hospitality and construction sectors coming among uh, and coming under particular pressure. These are also likely to be hardest hit by a rise to the minimum wage to €12.70, along with a raft of other increases. And I think there's an extra couple of sick days that have to be allowed for as well, which is about 1%. Uh, in uh, additional costs to businesses. And according to the Revenue Commissioners, 1.756 billion in debt is under the warehousing scheme, uh, 158 million of uh, which is covered by payment plans. So that's not a lot. 158 million out of 1.756 billion. So get a plan in place or maybe face going to the wall are the stark options available to most of those business owners who are concerned. And as I said, we'll talk about it in more detail as the programme continues. Waiting list drop fear is the front of the echo today. Process may see some patients delisted. A Cork GP has voiced concern about the hospital waiting list validation process, which he said can mean that people are being taken off waiting lists Uh, when they do not want to be. It comes as figures show that more than 10,700 people were removed from outpatient hospital waiting lists in Cork last year through a National Treatment Purchase Fund validation process. At the end of last month, that's a very fancy way to describe something that would seem to be so hard-hitting and callous, 74,243 people in Cork alone were on waiting lists for outpatient appointments at hospitals in the city and county. Dr John Sheehan, a GP in Blackpool and Finafol councillor for Cork Northwest, is calling for changes to the validation system. He says when we refer someone to hospital, it's usually after something significant has happened. Uh, it's not done lightly. Some people come off the list because things may have developed and they've gone elsewhere or into hospital. But some of those who come off the system uh, said they were notified, but when we talk to them, they haven't received any notification. And a very uh, good article there, front page of the Echo today. Let's go to the Irish Daily Star now. And the search is going on. Sad story for Irish swimmer off the coast of Oz. The family of an Irishman are deeply concerned for his safety after he went missing during an ocean swim in Australia. Damien Lucy was heard calling out for aid after he got into difficulty swimming on the Honeycomb Beach just south of Perth on Monday, January 8th. Before emergency services could help, he went missing in the water and hasn't been seen since. His family, friends and loved ones are now asking for prayers that he be returned home soon. The Corkman has been living in Australia for years, former member of Ballancolic AFC, and his family is well known in the town and surrounding areas. 
The Irish community in Perth and the surrounding areas will aid the search efforts in the coming days. And Damien's sister has thanked the public for their kind words during this difficult time. She said, we want to say we'll be eternally grateful for Damo's Aussie family and what they're doing for us. For all the visitors, callers, we're truly amazed at how many countless lives uh, Damo's infectious laugh has truly touched. Please keep hope. He will be returned to us. The Mirror front page has We Can't Shut Door on Asylum Seekers. The Ministers has made a pledge amid a protest uh, as the state is to end using private accommodation. The government hopes to end protests, uh, the uh, anti-asylum protests, by using state-owned buildings for asylum seekers. It was revealed yesterday. Environment Minister Eamon Ryan spoke uh, during a fourth day of demos in Ross Grey County Tipperary. He said, we can't completely shut the doors and say Ireland is full. Fears a new housing development will be targeted is on the Mail's uh, front page. Uh, John Drennan reporting there. Uh, Urgently needed new housing projects are under threat from anti-immigrant protesters. Politicians fear... And the uh, article continues on the Mail's front page. Government TDs have expressed concerns that homes will be burnt down amid calls to cut rates for long-term Ukrainian refugees. The TDs are focusing their anger on Integration Minister Roderick O'Gorman and Justice Minister Helen McEntee as the government faces the threat of losing independent support. One of Fina Gael's former frontman, Ivan Yates, uh, I know he spoke to Neil last week, once immigration uh, warns, I beg your pardon, immigration is uh, becoming the zeitgeist issue in Ireland. In fact, if they lose the support of independence, it will uh, necessitate a general election and the fall of the government, won't it? Fears are escalating across rural Ireland as the government is struggling to hold the centre political ground despite pledges of providing continual information and a plan, they always have a plan, to deal with the number of international protection applicants entering the country. Uh, Check that story out on the Mail's front page. Nearly there, a few more articles of note that are worth bringing to your attention. Uh, This is in the uh, Independent. Counties on the west of Ireland are housing a higher proportion of Ukrainian refugees who fled the Russian invasion, new figures show. Kerry is hosting the highest number of Ukrainians, uh, even more than Dublin, and far more than any East Coast or commuter belt county outside the capital. Uh, these counties uh, uh, have taken the majority of the refugees from the Ukraine. The figures show, along with Kerry counties, Donegal, Galway, Clare, Cork and Mayo have a higher percentage portion of the overall numbers of Ukrainians accommodated by the state compared to the rest of the country. I wonder how those figures are proportionally arrived at. Is it the uh, size of the county? Is it the number of people uh, who normally are domicile in each county? Uh, And I wonder how accurate these uh, figures can be. Anyway, on Saturday, the Irish Independent revealed that counties Donegal, Mayo, Clare and Sligo are taking a higher percentage of asylum seekers relative to their share of the overall population. Okay, that shed some light on it. The uh, figures relate to people seeking refuge in Ireland outside a scheme that offers protection to Ukrainians. Latest figures reveal one in five Ukrainians in receipt of welfare support is male and aged between 19 and 55 years old. Conscription has been proving a divisive issue in recent months for UK President Volodymyr Zelensky, who banned all males aged between 18 and 60 from leaving the country when he imposed martial law following the Russian invasion in February 2022. There are exemptions for men with medical issues, 
caring responsibilities and fathers of three or more children. But figures show there are 19,712 males aged between 19 and 55 who have received PPS numbers from the state since the start of the war. If you want to get into that story in more detail, you can check it out. Philip Ryan's article in the Irish Independent, along with a map uh, showing how many Ukrainians are in Ireland and where. In Cork, there are 5,907. Uh, in Kerry, there are 7,292. Uh, in Dublin, 6,984, and that's where the main share of the population would be, wouldn't it? Monaghan has 440. Looks to me to be the lowest. And uh, Waterford, 1,206. Wexford, 1,878. And so on. Uh, Galway, 3776. Uh, Lots of detail there on that story in the Irish Independent. A couple of more stories. The Star front page has double crash horror. Two more killed on our roads. Two men died in separate accidents over the weekend as 2024's horror road uh, Road's death toll hit 10 in just two weeks and Kildare, a driver in his 40s, died while a male pedestrian was killed on the M1 at Lusk at 4am yesterday. And the mail covers that story as well with 10 people have died on Irish roads in 2024 so far. Take every measure possible to get home safely. The AA has urged the public. Not only are there uh, slidey roads now and icy roads, uh, but people continue uh, to uh, to use mobile phones, even inadvertently for a split second. I wonder who sent me that text. Uh, I'll read it later, but I'll pick up the phone. That split second could make all the difference. Ten people lost their lives on the nation's road uh, roads in the first uh, two weeks of the year. And uh, we have on the independent front page, don't prosecute people for minor drug use, uh, says a minister. Uh, let's look at what minister. People caught with small amount of drugs... Uh, should not end up in the uh, criminal justice system, according to the drugs minister. We have a drugs minister. Fine Gael minister Hildegard Nocton believes there is a need for a health-led approach for addicts to break the vicious cycle of being prosecuted. She said there must be an honest conversation on drug use in the country. Um, very good topic, actually. I'd say that would be an emotive one, and maybe we'll bring it to air to you. People caught with a small amount of drugs should not end up in the criminal justice system. This is an interview she did with the Irish Independent. Hildegard Nocton said she believed that there was a need uh, for a more health-led approach. Cannabis currently being included uh, in an adult caution scheme that has led to a drop in the number of people brought to court in recent years for possession. The Minister now wants to look at the approach to other harder drugs. However, the details need to be worked out and it's not clear whether it will extend to opioids such as heroin or the so-called recreational drugs like cocaine and ecstasy. Miss Nocton also has to iron out details on what drugs somebody can have for personal use and their quantities as well as how many times somebody may in possess- be in possession of a drug without entering the criminal system. Uh, final couple of quick ones. TV licence revenue is down by 19 million in a year. Wasn't that a costly uh, incident for RTE last year? 19 million. Only eight, uh, 824,278 people have paid up amid RTE's woes. And finally, tractors may be fuelled by cow dung in the next 10 years. Cows produce milk, beef and leather, but very soon they might be powering tractors. A scheme is underway to fuel the vehicles with methane within the next 10 years in a bid to cut global greenhouse gas emissions. It's reckoned it would take 700 cattle to produce enough slurry 
to harvest methane to run a tractor for 10 hours a day on large farms and up to 200 cattle would be needed for smaller operations. Globally, fossil fuels receive 6.4 trillion in subsidies annually. The Irish government and others are now committed to ending this, which will see an end to green diesel uh, and will mean farmers will have to pay the same for fuel as motorists. And that is another cost increase on many Irish businesses. Those are the morning papers. Call Neil now. 0818 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. 28 minutes past nine. Good morning from the Neil Prendival Show. This is Mick Mulcahy. And I'm joined on line one by one of the two Norries, Timmy Long. Good morning to you, Timmy. Hi, Mick. How are you? I'm good. It's a kind of a bittersweet day, I suppose. Uh, three and a half years yeah. at the mics. Uh, and you're hanging up the yeah. head- headphones, as it were, with the two Norries podcasts. Um, you, your programme, if I can call it, would you call it a show? Is, is, is a podcast a show or a programme? I suppose it's a bit of both, really. Yeah, it's educational, and yeah. I, I suppose it's, um, it's a talk show in another way, then yeah. as well, isn't it? Really, it's a bit of both. Yeah. Okay. Now, as this program does from time to time, this radio program, uh, your podcast, uh, yourself and uh, and and your buddy James, helped to destigmatize some social issues, uh, and helped thousands, if not tens of thousands of listeners before we get to the podcast to me can I talk about your own story because it's inspirational in itself you, d- you didn't have it easy at the start well it was listen I grew up in the 80s in Cork there was a lot of families like poverty was a big thing back then you know we didn't have all these corporate companies that are here at the moment you know money wasn't loose back then it was it was tight a lot of people were living on hand downs and stuff like that yeah, we were in the middle of a biting recession in, in, in the early to mid-80s exactly. as well. Exactly, but, like, in our household, my mother was, like, she was the main carer of three boys. So it was it was much more difficult, you know, and there was a lot of mental health issues as well in the home. So um, it was a difficult, it was a difficult childhood, you know, there wasn't much... There wasn't much learning around how to actually behave in life or how to process different um, uh, experiences and emotions when they come up. So we kind of went through life really not knowing how to really behave and how to actually manage the emotional stuff. And and so we, we actually started to turn to drinking drugs at an early age because of that, because we weren't able to cope with a lot of stuff that was going on for us. Yeah, so that, that was your escape me- mechanism. But of course... Uh, when you become dependent on uh, alcohol or drugs or gambling or whatever, uh, often the only way to uh, subscribe and keep your subscription to that addiction going is to turn to crime. Yeah, exactly. Like a lot of people, you know, that have been down that road and are in recovery you now, they would have, um, they would, they would actually be able to relate with a lot of the stuff I'm talking about. You know, yeah. you go down the life of crime, you know, and you get to a place then in that life that. You actually, you actually don't even realise what you're doing to yourself and the people that you're hurting within your family and people within your broader community, you know, because the drugs at this stage and the alcohol are after taking full control of your life. And you actually hit a place in your life as well where you actually, you actually don't really care whether you wake up the next morning. You know, it, it's, it's a really sad existence. But did it involve treatment centres, jail time? 
Yeah, well, I went to my first treatment centre at the age of 15. You know, I was an AA 15. And I stayed in treatment for a few years during my, my teens. And when I got out of treatment then, at the age of 18, 19, I had a brief period where I was away from from, from the alcohol and the drugs. And it was like, the minute I went back on it then, because I was living in a community where the norm was to be using drugs and alcohol. So um, so I didn't fit in when I went back into that community after the treatment centre. And I didn't have many people that were my age that were in recovery. So within a brief period, I'd say about five, six months, I was back using alcohol first. And from there, then I went back into drugs. Yeah. And I just took off then after that for the next 10, 10, 12, 13 years. Now, we'll get to the podcast, but you've had a huge measure of success in your life. You're, you're, you're currently running your own property maintenance and construction company. Uh, you're giving talks to companies, schools and colleges on your story and your journey to overcoming adversity in life. But all of that must have started at one particular low point where, uh, if, if I can, how can I, where did you find the bedrock of your self-worth, of your, of your esteem? Well, when was your lowest point? Well, I suppose did they all add up, don't they? Like, everybody's rock bottom is different and more people are able to take more pain than others. For me, it was like, it was on numerous occasions where my life could have ended through crashing a car or falling or waking up in a ditch or, 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 or a cold house on the floor. You know, and uh, are just fights on the streets and fights with with different gangs of people, and you know, and then the drug intake. Like there was times like I would have used drugs with the hope that probably didn't wake up the next morning because if you get in so much pain and I was hurting so many different people around me, it was very very hard to face the next day when you wake up or something. You know, the reality of of the, your actions and others was really, really difficult for me to take. So I just kept using and using and using. It was like a never-ending. And when I wasn't using, then it was like... I was locking myself in. There was a lot of paranoia. There was a lot of depression. So that kind of... That went down for many years, you know? I've spoken to many people over the years who, uh, either religious or non-religious who said that a moment came, and there's no other word they said to describe it, make only spiritual. Mm-hmm. Even if they were yeah. non-religious, a spiritual awakening, yeah. if you like. Could you yeah, concur with that? Would that be right? Definitely. Like, it, 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 it really finished for me um, on, the, on the floor of a cell inside the Bible after another robbery and just, um, just looking for drugs on the floor of the cell thinking that's white pieces of paint from the ceiling on a grey floor were little cracks of cocaine, you know, because I was I, I couldn't face my reality. I couldn't face what I was just after doing. I couldn't face that I was going to prison for a long time. I couldn't face the reality that I wasn't able to see my kids. This was on the 26th of December. I couldn't face the reality that I couldn't, I wasn't after seeing my kids for Christmas or that, Everybody around me, family, friends, they were just at their wit's end with me. And I just had to burn a lot of bridges. And like it was a really, really lonely place that I was finishing up in. And just as I was on that floor picking up, um, trying to pick up these pieces, pieces of paint, <laughs> you know, thinking that it was cocaine, I just had this really strong glimpse 
of just awareness and it was just this voice came into my head like and it just said what are you doing with your life like you know like you're here now inside in the cell you know naked on the floor mm-hmm. God knows what's in front of you here you know with prison and, and everything else and the only thing that you can worry about at Christmas not even seeing your kids is more drugs mm-hmm. so I just picked myself up off the floor uh, inside in the cell and uh, that was I it that was the moment to sleep. Yeah. yeah I cried myself to sleep for about uh, after about two hours and that was the last of it um, I managed to get myself to a doctor then straight away after that when I got out and he put me on uh, an antidepressant and I got straight on the counselling list and I was meeting a counsellor once or twice a week and I got myself into pre- treatment immediately and within the start of February I was inside in the treatment centre and um, that was where my journey started from the treatment centre then I went straight to the prison um, a week, maybe a week and a half, two weeks after that and that's where my education journey and the rest of my story started yeah, you know you, so you, you learned to read and write there, you start, starting with the alphabet and then the months of yeah. the year yeah, yeah. And I, to be honest, I do struggle with months of the year at times. October, <laughs> November, the two months I really, really kind of, it's just the way my brain works, you know, I'm dyslexic and um, I've recently been diagnosed with ADHD. These are things that I would have always um, ne- never really known about, or, but I would have always classified myself as, as thick or stupid or that there was something wrong with my brain because I, I felt I didn't, I didn't work like everybody else. I did. I didn't. I wasn't able to function like everybody mm-hmm. else. Okay, so but that's that's was, that's that's your yeah. story, and I, and I know James is, isn't yeah. on on with us today. So uh, let's yeah. let's yeah. get to how you guys got together. What was the reason behind starting the podcast? How did it all come about? Um, I suppose um, you know James was after being on television, and he got he, and he spoke about his story, and it was just escalated from there. Then people. People were actually blown away with the story, and uh, they wanted to just hear a little bit more. And um, we were chatting one day, and I just mentioned we, that we should maybe start the podcast and just bring on others like ourselves who who have the same struggles and who are after coming out of it and are living a good life today. And um, it just it stems from there. Then we started in my shed. You know, it was a workshop. We created a little studio out of it, and. Uh, we went from there and it just kind of just just kept rolling forward from there. Then we got a studio and to where we finished there um, this year. Um, it just it just kind of got bigger and bigger and bigger. We started doing a bit of work with the prisons and uh, it was great. It was great, but it, it was also it was difficult. You know, we didn't expect we didn't expect it to to take up so much time, you know, we didn't expect that we'd get such a... We didn't realise that there'd be so many different people contact us with the same stuff and just looking for help. And we were just... We didn't have the time to be able to to give everybody individuals, in, individually the amount of time that we wanted to. So it was a really, really difficult mix towards the end, so... Yeah, because you're 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 a dad, most importantly. But you were putting a lot into yeah. your business, uh, and your personal yeah. life was taking a backseat, was it? Yes, it was. It was, you know. And uh, but listen, I have a good base. I have a good foundation. You know, I, I've done therapy for many years. 
you know, since I was in prison, like, I was meeting with psychologists, and when I got out, I was doing a lot of counselling and psychotherapy with different different people, and uh, meditation has always been my rock in life. It's always gave me that awareness and that grounding, so I'd know if there's something going on for me, I, I'd be able to process it there and then. Instead of years ago, when I didn't know how to be able to deal with stuff, I would just bottle it down with drinking drugs on top of it. But today, I'm able to just deal with stuff and just go with it. And, uh, yeah, and give myself a bit of breathing space as well when I need to. And that was very important for me, that I had a good, solid foundation and I was able to work through it, you know. Well, three and a half years is a success in itself, Timmy, to, to last for yeah. that long and have such following. Yeah, yeah. Are, are those, are those historical podcasts all still available? Can people dip in and dip out of them if they want? Yeah, well, they'll... they'll they're going to be available forever on YouTube and anybody that wants to watch them they're there they're free to anybody you know and that's why we created them we wanted everything just be there for anybody anytime they need them you know and uh, there's a variety of every form of life you know you have people that come from different backgrounds you know so and it just shows that it doesn't matter where you come from or what class you come from you anybody can be an, an, an addict and an alcoholic I can mess up every once in a while. And I know you had very engaging uh, podcasts with the political elite, uh, with the legal elite, and with the homeless champion, Peter McAvery. Uh, You had a podcast with uh, then-Taoiseach Micheál Martin, Justice Minister Helen McEntee, and Defence Solicitor Frank Buttermore. So there's there's a wide variety in there. Oh, there is, yeah. And there were some fantastic uh, guests as well. And we we didn't just get to know them in a way that everybody sees them on the telly or or hears about them on a newspaper. We got to know them personally and we were able to go into a bit of depth around their stories and who they were and their back, their background, their history, family history and, and how... And a lot of these people had their own stuff going on, like Helen McAtee, she lost her father to suicide. You know, Mial Martin lost two kids tragically as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we were able to we were able to sit with these people and be able to relate with them and just feel the emotion from them. And I think that's very important. And that's not something we see from people every day. We, Particularly politicians, when we just look at them on the television, we can judge them straight away based on, based on what, what party they're with. But when you have them personally inside in the room, you get to know them. They're just human beings, just like me and James and everybody else, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Uh... That's the importance of it. Uh, and speaking of that, that that humanity, and I said most importantly for you, you're a dad. Of course, you're a husband as well. Um, but that yeah. fa- that family unit, your husband, uh, your husband to Nicole, uh, yeah. you, you've you've two kids, fourteen and ten. Jay and is it is it Georgia? Yeah, um, Georgia's sixteen and Jay's twelve. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, maybe I'm looking at old <laughs> details then. From two years ago, <laughs> I must be. Uh, <laughs> it's good to have a laugh, though, isn't it? <laughs> They'd probably yeah, get a bit of slaggy yeah. about that now in school. <laughs> but but how, how, how's family life? How, how how do they like the dad they have today? Well, um, when I'm giving out too many, I don't what to do. <laughs> They're not that fond of me, but you know, listen, I do the best I can. You know, there was nobody. I, I, it wasn't easy for me to be stepping into the role of uh, of a father when I did because I actually didn't really know how to behave as a father. You know, growing up without my own father, it wasn't something that was very easy for me to to know what to do. But I, I, I just kept doing the right thing. I, I messed up a lot, you know. Um, but 
when I was wrong, I always admitted I was wrong and I apologised, you know, and I'd always try to remember the mistakes I did make before I make up for them. But I just do my best, you know, and uh, as I said, I do mess up. You know, Nicole would definitely, <laughs> she's, if she's listening to this, she'd probably say, yes, you do. <laughs> you know, but... Um, but well, you, you've yeah, you've come a long way to me, Long. You've come you've come an awful yeah. long way from that cell floor. Thank you so much, Nick. And and you've done an awful lot of good. And it's I know it's a bittersweet moment. You 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 can put it on the yeah. block and consign it to history and say we did well for three and a half years. But you'll also probably miss it, as will a lot of people in Cork and beyond. Oh, they definitely will. They definitely will, and I, I will too. Will miss miss you know sitting in the studio with James and. You know, the times that, like, everything was cool and it wasn't out of control with work and having to do stuff and we were able to have a bit of crack. You know, I do miss that. Um, because well, Tell like, yourself, so you're just taking a break for a little while. <laughs> that Well, that's it. Like, I am hoping to start my own podcast in the next month or so um, and just maybe something similar to what we were doing all the time but a little bit more around the neurodiversity stuff around ADHD and all the different learning differences around dys- dyslexia and dyspraxia and dyscalculia and just so everybody can see there's an awful lack of education around these for people a lot of parents don't really understand it so I'm hoping to bring some professionals on and just explain it in more detail for people uh, particularly around my own story as well and others that I'm hoping to bring, bring on so that's my, my plan going forward is to do something like that. And it's important to have and, something um, positive to look forward to as well. So, well, Exactly, exactly. We salute you, Timmy, for all you've done, for the big thank heart you. you have and for all you will achieve in the future. Thank you so much, Mick, and, and thanks for having me on. And our regards to James as well. 100%. Thank thanks. You Morning to you. Cheers. Bye. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. 12 minutes to 10 o'clock on this Monday morning. David is on line two. Good morning, David. Good morning, mate. How's things? Good. We, Good were, really talk- morning. we were talking about uh, firms going to the wall, and in particular, uh, recently the highlight, of course, has been on the four restaurants that have announced closure or have closed already uh, in Cork City. Do you think it's uh, it's a terrible tragedy? Yes, well, you have Latin you have Piggy and Ballet Street, and you have uh, the White Rabbit and the Golden Street. And you have uh, Tong Sing in Patrick Street. Uh, if I, well, first of all, like Nash Nineteen has been um, a huge success in the last twenty years. Uh, like, and Liam Nash has has been, you know, president of the Cork Business Association, and she's ran that that t- long table event in Alvaconca Street. And I believe any top dignitaries that came to Cork like were always brought to her restaurant, you know, and. Uh, so she has done an awful lot for, um, for businesses in Cork and for the city, and uh, to see to see the the business closing down with any kind of uh, intervening help from anyone, like from the city council or from the government. I mean, there are a couple of things that could be done, like that the government could bring the bat back down to talk. 9% from 13 and a half. Yeah, well, it, so was, it, it, it was 9 uh, and it was planned to go up. It was delayed yeah. going up. I think it's gone back up now, has it? It got up here two months ago or something. Okay. Yeah, and a lot of the government sentiment around that was that, that some of the hotels were price gouging and really taking yeah, advantage yeah, of concert yeah. goers and match goers and stuff yeah. uh, you know, yeah, w- w- while enjoying this reduced subvention. 
Yeah, well, well, the hotel certainly were, but there maybe the restaurants. But and the rates, I mean, like I know people, business people that they tell me that the rates are astronomical, like and they're struggling to pay the rate. Maybe the city council just uh, in the climate that is in at the moment that maybe give it six months free or something, or a three month free or something, just something to help out. But my point that I rang is that um, uh, I passed last nineteen last Wednesday, Thursday morning in Princess Street. And I just looked, and there was two stores. There was, and I, I met him, Joel McCarthy. Oh, well, he just next, he had a shop next door to where he just said, uh, is our name on holidays or what? He said he didn't know. And then the following day, I just read in the radio, or on the radio, or read in the papers, that Nash 19 is gone. And, um, but vultures, I'm on about, um, okay. uh, Michael, Mike. Yeah, okay. I mean, I have a. I, I got a voucher for last 19 for, for Christmas and I say uh, if, uh, a lot of people get vouchers for restaurants uh, to, their, to their friends and family members at Christmas and I would imagine if you were giving a restaurant one I said last 19 would be in the top three that you would think of right Spit Tax now maybe Market Lane last 19 so I would imagine an awful lot of people uh, would have bought vouchers more likely in the month of December. Yeah, well, the, the, the feel-good factor <laughs> around a voucher is the fact that you're probably thinking for the entire meal of the person uh, who gave you the voucher. Uh, and you don't want them to have a dodgy meal, and you know if they're going into places like you just mentioned, uh, that it's, yeah. it's going to be quality. It's quality, yeah, but I believe... But, I mean, over the years, yeah, I, I need, uh, a lot of businesses that close down over the years, you even on your programme, they don't wait at them, you hear them... You have the, the, the owner of the business or, 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 or whoever will run the business will say, listen, um, we'll honour the vultures or whatever. But like Claire Nash, uh, Claire Nash spoke in the examiner last after the morning herself about why she closed down and to give the reasons. And she didn't take the time out to just say, listen, by the way, um, I do have um, a, 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 an awful lot of people that bought vultures before Christmas and let us know what's happening. Are we... Are they going to be honoured, or are we just suck it up and forget about it, or what? Well, that's a that's a fair question. Now, we, we have made multiple attempts to contact Claire Nash by phone and text, and as yet, we're waiting for a response. Uh, but we will try and get clarity on that one. Well, yeah, but like the thing is, more than likely, you know, the way she's talking about the business has going for the last couple of months, she must have had some inkling in just before Christmas that um, that she was closing up shop. And still, you go in there on the 21st of December and say, I want to buy three for 50 euros, and they still took the money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, fair, fair point. I mean, a, 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 a business may decide to close and may do one of two things stop selling vouchers or say, This is our closure period and we'll honour the vouchers. But we, yeah. won't, we won't close for the next two or three months. Maybe she didn't have that option. I don't know. If 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 I don't get if 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 if, if she's not going to answer them, I'm not too worried about it, Michael. But uh, I'm only just asking. Uh, the question is, what's the position with the vultures? Could she just let the? Uh, there must be like a couple of hundred people in at the moment with the vultures, because she, her restaurant was so popular that it would be one restaurant that you would head for to buy a vulture. So there must be an awful lot of people. At the moment, with votes of 30 euros, 40 euros, 50 euros, and uh, are they going to throw them into the bin? Because a vote, you know, will last you for five years, which is um, the new law that came in there a couple of years ago. That's right. 
He would be 12 months now, it's five years. You know, so just to find out, and I believe, I believe she's un, she's not contactable at the moment, as far as I know. Well, so, in, in, our, in our experience, Seamus has uh, tried many times to call her and sent some texts. Uh, as yet, we haven't had a response, but we're open and would welcome her on air, just even to discuss the situation and and bring yeah. s- some clarity to the voucher thing. If that's that, that wasn't a, that wasn't the main reason we were trying to contact her. It was just on a more personal uh, humanity note. How and why did it happen? How hard was it, etc. Um, what? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and uh, as a matter of fact. Uh, <laughs> My daughter just told me that, that she had she had great childhood memories of being in there with her mother over the years, and uh, it's a restaurant that uh, a lot of people, you know, love going to. But, uh, it's, it's a restaurant that thrived on repeat custom, and that's only testament to the quality of food that was there. And there was a good variety. I, I can only admit to ever being in there once, um, but no complaints. And no, no, like another point is, I mean. You pass next. You pass next ninety, and they were eleven o'clock any morning all lunchtime, and you you wouldn't get a seat. Like and you pass all the restaurants that are still open at the moment, and you look in the window, and they wouldn't be have those people in there. Yeah. Well, I so you imagine, you imagine that she was so busy. It's hard to understand how she closed down. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. There's energy costs, and there's a minimum wage rise, and there's rates, and there's the warehouse, uh, the warehousing of debt, uh, and the extra, the, the, the extra sick days, and PRSI and all this like so. But anyway, we're trying to uh, go through that, and um, we, I just think that money. Uh, some people that I know that are in business that the, one of the biggest uh, drawbacks is the rates, and rates are astronomical. Like, and you're getting nothing back for it. You don't get sweet damals for you'll be paying five thousand, not ten thousand, not twenty thousand. You get nothing back. Uh, so in the, in the climate that we are in at the moment, it, I think the city council should freeze the race for the businesses and give them a, a chance just to, you know, get a few pounds up in the bank. And, exactly. And David, David, thanks a million for your contribution. Um, must, we must take a break now. So uh, it's been nice talking to you and you made some very valid points. Thank you. Couple, thanks, cheers, bye-bye. A couple of quick texts on it. Uh, Mick, try and get into Kenny on and ask him if he still thinks this is a great country. A uh, great small country to do business in, says Paddy. Don't give my name out, but I'm in the hair and beauty industry and I find it so difficult to get staff at the moment. There are, uh, there's an enormous amount of them doing it from home since COVID, only taking cash and not paying any tax. It's absolutely ridiculous and it's crippling our industry. I can't un- understand how it's still going on as some of these people are advertising on social media, doing nails, hair, beauty, everything. And we're the fools paying the rates trying to keep everything going, trying to pay staff and all the new payments. And one more, another reason a lot of businesses are closing down is people doing foxers while drawing social welfare. It's not fair on the people who are trying to do things right. I'm really sick of this happening. News is on the way. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Eight and a half minutes past ten, and uh, let's go to some of the text that the uh, first hour of broadcast today has uh, generated on the... Uh, thank you for the few people who said welcome back. Uh, but on the uh, more important issue of immigrants and refugees... Uh, hi Mick, the whole country is talking about the migration and that it's not women and kids we're getting. It's all men and more and more people every day can see what's going on. When a bucket is full, you can't get any more water into it. 
It's only common sense. Another texter sent me in an excerpt from an RTE article. Uh, <clears throat> And I'll quote that article here. More than 60% of those who applied for asylum in the last 12 months at Dublin Airport had no identity documents, according to Department of Justice figures provided to Primetime, uh, that uh, RTE production, of course. The category does not include Ukrainians. In the period from February 2022 to January 2023, of the 6,926 people who applied for asylum at Dublin Airport, a minimum of 4,213 or 61% had no documents. And that's the end of that quotation. But the texture says, isn't it amazing the government has no plans to stop this abuse of the system? Another text about the refugees. Uh, I find it strange that the largest amount of refugees is along the West Coast. Uh, is this government accommodating refugees out of sight and out of mind? Uh, or maybe it's because this government has damaged rural Ireland and the tourist industry. And that's why there are so many hotels and B&Bs either empty or struggling with energy costs, taxes, rates, etc. Because of this, maybe they're taking in refugees to save their business. However, then you get less tourists spending money in the local shops and pubs. Uh, it's just one problem. Uh, rolling to cause more problems. And the government's saying... To our fathers and three Hail Marys, thinking and hoping it'll work out. So now the government is going to find hundreds of builders to renovate these hotels into international protection centres when they can't get enough builders to build houses fast enough. One daft decision after another. Thank you for the very detailed text, uh, Desi. Uh, on the wealth tax, the wealth tax has come up again. Uh, texter said 16 years, they're talking about it now. I think if you had a 1% wealth tax on people with over 5 million in the bank, it would bring in 9 billion a year. Uh, that would help with building more hospitals and more affordable houses. The uh, business closures topic we covered uh, just before News at 10. Ah, uh, Mick, don't give me that, uh, that about places closing down. They're all still open in the marina market. Tong Sing and White Rabbit are anyway. Uh, it's only a matter of time. Nash 19 will be down there also. Uh, White Rabbit, of course, also has a deli, uh, deli plus food store on Princess Street. And the Tong Sing have a truck at Hanley's, don't they? At Hanley's Garden Centre. Uh, and uh, they have a restaurant in Ballancolic. Are they still in, um, in Blarney? Uh, I think, is it the same company? I don't know. I think that's called the Tung Sing uh, at the uh, shopping square or plaza there in Blarney. Uh, Mick, two weeks ago, the prices in my local hotel jumped two and a half times uh, what they were 18 months ago. Uh, two weeks ago, you must you went in two weeks ago and they were gone up, I suppose. Uh, to me, this is just utter greed. So two and a half times what they were 18 months ago and I'm not I don't have any detail on what prices you're talking about the price of a stay I would imagine it's hardly the price of a pint uh, another texture says lads when you're going on about all the closures please don't mention wage increases they have underpaid staff for years and years in the sector it is a factor though uh, but I take your point uh, not to highlight it but unfortunately, it's one of those factors uh, that we'll get to in uh, in a moment. And uh, I have uh, dozens and dozens of texts on Timmy Long uh, from the two Norries and all in a positive vein. But I go now to line two uh, and to talk to Pat O'Connell of K. O'Connell's Fishmongers in the English market. Hello, Pat. Good morning, mate. Welcome back. Oh, thanks, Emil. Uh, are, are you still, and this is completely off topic, are you still sending fish across to uh, the elite in Britain uh, with the passing of the no. Queen? All no. finished? No. There was only one, Mick. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the most remarkable photograph. Simon Coveney in the background and, and the Queen throwing her head back. And, and, and just to remind people very quickly, 
Um, yeah. you, you were there, will I or won't I, when she said, what's the Maury eel with its teeth <laughs> no, showing and the mouth open? <laughs> and, you, and the Queen said, and what's that fish? And that's the mother-in-law, you said. Uh, <laughs> anyway, happier times, I, I, I suppose, uh, with all of the closures going on around the city. Do you reckon it's an, accu- an accumulation of everything? Absolutely. Perfect storm, really. Yeah. Perfect storm, without a doubt. I mean, when you see businesses like Tung Sing, and, you know, it's fine to say they've opened elsewhere, they've opened elsewhere because they were probably, they probably knew they were in trouble in Patrick Street. Um, you know, we've opened in Bendon Road, we'll be opening in Bishopstone shortly. Um, because we have concerns about the city centre, if I'm perfectly honest about it, and, and you know, you don't... You don't take these decisions lightly, but there's a whole accumulation of stuff going on, you know. Yeah. People talk about wages. Yes, wages are one one factor. PRSI changes are one factor. That Like, there's a whole accumulation, like warehouse debt. You know, that increases on restaurants, um, difficulties in getting staff, difficulties in retaining staff. It's just the stress and the... Uh, the pressure of trying to do business at the moment is just phenomenal and I think people are just wore out. I mean, Claire Nash alluded to that really at the weekend when she said, you know, she just hadn't the will to carry on. Yeah. Um, uh, and after 33 years, that's really sad because, I mean, not only was she a restaurant in Cork City, but she was also an incredible ambassador for Cork City, you know, and Claire was Claire. She was shrewd. She was tough. She called it as she saw it and, you know, some people liked her, some people didn't. But I mean, the fact of the matter is she ran an extremely good business, very good product, and she did an awful lot for Cork City, you know, I mean, you had a long table and you had eat on the street. I mean, they were driven by Claire. I mean, if, if everything has been tried to, to make it uh, a success and, and nothing can save it, what, what, what is the choice only to close? That's absolutely it. And I mean, you get to the stage where you just can't, you've tried everything, you know, um, some people are diversifying, some people are changing their product or their product offer a bit. Um, some people are reducing prices contrary to what you hear, or, you know, trying to cut their margins. Um, and, like, it, it's just... You know, you know what we're not just one or two, it's everywhere. I mean, if you go to Dublin, it's the same. Um, you know, you have problems with lack of guarantee on the street, people don't feel safe. Yeah, you but know, you, know, you know what really tugs at my heartstrings is is the multi generational businesses. I assume you're either second or third generation O'Connell that 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 is custodian of that business, if not more. Sure, and it puts huge pressure on you. <laughs> it's a legacy. It's a legacy. A legacy, and and, and, and I, I, you don't want to, you don't want to be the one to close that. Business. Exactly, uh, and and in, in and that I mean, sen- in that, that sense, I think of Michael Moriarty, the Baldy Barber, who's closing down after eighty or ninety I mean, years. Again, you know, again. yeah, absolutely, and an incredible ambassador for Cork, and did everything he possibly could. And you know, they're not making these decisions lightly; they're just not on a whim. These are pressures that have been building for the last five years or so. Um, I think it was Enda Kenny back in the day said, you know, he wanted Ireland to be the best small country to do business. God, we are a million miles from that at the moment. But for who? For, the, for our own people or for the multinationals? For, for our own people, for the small family business. Okay. Well, the trouble is that the small, the, the small family business is the business that makes cities and towns different because they've got the history, they've got the stories, they've got the connections, they've got the chat with people, they've got the bit of fun. Multinationals will come in and they'll go tomorrow, close their door, and it'll be purely because of an economic problem. Or, you know. How much of your and business involves uh, transport, Pat? Do you, do you deliver to restaurants and outlets Huge and hotels? Amount. 
Det er jo simpelthen, at man går til Kasseltum, der er til Klekstof, og det koster fjul, like der at the, the height of the thing was just extraordinary. And then again, on top of that particular tour business, we have 16 boats that have been decommissioned in Kasseltum, there. So there's 16 boats left in the fleet, which makes fish scarcer, which puts more pressure on you to go there more often, which puts more pressure on the boats to try and make a profit. Yeah. And, you know, people don't see behind the, the facade of what goes on in the front of a business. Yeah, we, we've, we've, com- we've, covered, we've covered the fishing thing on this programme, and I have anyway, yeah. uh, on a number yeah, of occasions. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's, yeah. uh, like my old friend Tom McSweeney coined, uh, coined the phrase, and it's a sad one. Uh, we're an island nation standing with our backs to the water. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I mean, it was changing. Like, I mean, it, you know, our fleet was improving. But then the quarters were brought in in 72 or whatever, and nothing has changed since then. There's been a percentage up or down, but our percentage to, at the start was too small. Our percentage of the catch, so it gave us no room to grow. Yeah, um, and we've been down a downhill slide since, I'll be honest about it. And, you know, so many co-ops have closed down. And again, they're the small businesses that uh, in the towns in West Cork, where you're not going to get an Apple computer set up tomorrow morning. They're the blood of, uh, of, of particular villages around our, our coast. Yeah. Speaking and of co-ops, Pat, the, the, uh, the English market is, I suppose, as close as you could get to, to a co-op. Uh, it's, it's, it's been there almost forever. Uh, how how yeah. would it compare rates-wise to, say, something on Patrick Street? They're high enough, but it's the service charges really high there, I'd be honest about it, because it's an old building, and it needs investment. I mean, it needs a new roof, and, I, I, you know, myself and my committee spent three years laying out a plan with City Hall to put a new roof on and to put solar panels and use rainwater for doing the floors and all of that and that's on a shelf somewhere in City Hall since 2018 and there's been no movement on putting a new roof on it yeah. and you look at the coal tail which was a thriving market outdoor market obviously but a thriving market and it was left slip and then they put up these stands to bring it back no problem you don't bring back history. Yeah, speaking of markets, though, um, the impact of the marina market and maybe the black market, uh, I, I love going to those places because you have such variety and, and you know, essentially you might be a little cold if the doors are open, but you're going to be dry. Um, and, as, you know, as welcome uh, uh, as it is to the citizens of Cork City and, and offering variety, is, is it itself and, and that concept uh, doing damage to the retailers in, in city centre? Or are we looking at a more... Um, fundamental problem that uh, there's we're parking issues in the city. There's, you know, we're looking at it. We are. We're looking at the more fundamental problem. I mean, you know, you go down the, the side streets of the city and they use as public toilets. They're using as places for shopping for drugs. Quite openly now, because there's a lack of guard on the street. They don't blame the guard. They're just short of staff. We need more. I mean, we saw at Christmas when there was extra guard from Templemore down. The in the atmosphere changed overnight. It was just buzzing. Huge crowds back in, great buzz, fantastic. But you're right, parking is a problem, and we haven't come up with a system to get people in and out of town easily and cheaply. Um, we keep changing the traffic systems, causing confusion to people who are coming into the city. You know, we need a proper bus service, and I mean a proper bus service that is cheap, efficient, reliable, and regular. Yeah, will, will, a, a, will a Lewis style tram coming back here? Will the trams coming back be a big difference? Mate. Let's get the buses first. Let's do the things that we can do at the moment. The tram, it could be 20 years down the line, we don't know. You know, I mean, we need to get our buses. Like, you know, I mean, there's what, 70 buses up in Dublin parked up because somebody didn't, didn't arrange for them to be reached after them to be charged. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, come on, join the dots for us, for God's sake. 
just just on that English market renovation, Pat, um, you, are you are you around the um, the facts here of the approximate cost? Uh, how how necessary is it to do it or do it quickly? Because there was three different prices because there was three different options put forward just to give options. Um, some of them would use Hilsers as a kind of tourist um, connection that you know they wouldn't be clogging up the aisles that you'd have. Um, Yes, yeah, so it's, it's got to be done on stages. Um, yeah. But, like, it needs to be future-proofed, you know. I mean, it, it is one of the best markets in Europe, but it won't stay that way unless you put money into it. So who who pays for the renovations? Is it the local authority, and then you guys get the extra service charges, is it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And rent, I mean, we pay rent, obviously, as well. Yeah. Um, the rent isn't ferocious, but it all adds up. I mean, you know, you're paying water charges, you know, that other people aren't paying, like you're, you park a van outside the door and you're getting a parking fine every other day. Your, your water charges um, must be astronomical because you're washing fish. Astronomical. Astronomical. So is our electricity charges because you're running for bridges 24-7. Yeah. You're paying for water to make ice and then you have a machine going 24-7 to, to make ice. Like, the, the, there are so many hidden charges in it. Like, it, it's just insane at the moment. And it's a culmination of small charges that are adding up. Mm. You know, as I say, it's starting with the fish being caught, not enough, not often enough. Yeah. The transport to bring them up, you know, and then the whole package that goes in the English market to sell them. And then you have it one hand tied behind your back because people are finding it hard to get in. You're finding it hard to put you have your van outside the door because you need it if Castellone rings and says there's a boat coming in in two hours' time. Be there. You can need your van outside the door. Yet your van outside mm. the door has a parking ticket on it. Same as everyone else. And, you know, there is no... Like, you look at electrical goods. They've all gone to the suburbs. They're all gone to the city because nobody can carry a washing machine up to their car anymore. Nobody okay. can carry a television up to their car anymore. Okay, I'm, so I'm just, it is an accumulation. Like, but we're losing... We're losing our, our personality as a city. Okay, I'm, I'm looking at a picture of the uh, the entrance to the English market from the Grand Parade. I, I'm looking at a, uh, a fairly modern Mercedes delivery van, refrigerated, uh, with the name K. O'Connell on it. And I'll read you the text from the person who sent it in, Pat. Make, I sent mm-hmm. this last week to do with K. O'Connell's. I wonder what Pat thinks about this. It's unbelievable. I actually thought I was seeing things, but no... It's a parking ticket issued to a long-established business operating in the English market. It's not that the vehicle is unbranded either. I'm sure O'Connells are paying more than enough on rates, etc., on their premises to local council. Absolutely disgraceful. I wonder what the powers that, that be would have to say on this or what excuse they will conjure up. It's just beyond logic. It would seem to me, and I don't know, with the changes in, in the setups there, it would seem to me you're parked in a loading bay with that, in that picture. The black and white yeah, tiles. Absolutely. Absolutely, and I don't want to be parked there. But where am I going to put it? Yeah. I can't put it into car, car, car parks because it won't go in, obviously. The vans won't be, be going because they have refrigeration on the roof. Yeah, too high. So, and I need them. I need somebody rings up and says, listen, we've run out of monkfish or whatever for lunch. Can you get it down to us in 20 minutes? Yes. Back, can, I, can I just probe one other thing with you? You must be proud as the custodian now of a multi-generational business uh, that you are probably the one that built the brand. You, you always had the grow and the love of the people and you always had your spot in the English market as your past families did. But you've really built the brand. But can I ask you this question? Is, the, is maintaining the brands and, and, and allowing it to survive going to drive you out of the city into the other ancillary locations where things may be a little easier for you? 
Well, number one, make I never lay claim to making the brand. My mother made the brand. There was nobody like Kathleen O'Connell. I mean, she just she was the brand. Um, full stop. Um, do I want to be driven out of the city centre? No. But now I have twenty odd staff. Um, I have the next generation that are moving in now. My daughter Emma, Sean, and and um, all my two nephews. Um, and I've got to think of their future. And hence we're spreading a little bit out to the suburbs. Do I ever want to leave the market? Absolutely not. It's our. It's where we're from. It's our home. It's our where we know everybody. It's it's what we love. Um, it's the heritage of the family. It's the mother, really, it's the, it's the, it's the mothership business yeah. simply, um, and it is getting more and more difficult to do business in the city centre. Um, you know, you'll get lots of people saying, "Oh, there's Ben Parker outside the door every day," and you'll get all of that phoning in and saying whatever. Yes, but I don't want them there. But I do need a place near where if somebody rings Castledown or a restaurant or whatever, that I can get that van in there in five minutes. Yeah, and, and you need to load it. so you, It has to be at the gate Absolutely. at some stage. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, you take 40, 60 boxes out of the back of a truck. That takes time. They're heavy. You know, the lads are doing their best. Like, but they have to be brought in. They have to be weighed. They have to be checked. They have to be divided up between the fridge and the counter and filleting and, you know, what's going to restaurants or whatever. That all takes time. You don't do that in five minutes or 30 minutes. So where's the disconnect? The, the people you are paying the rates and service charges to are applying fines to your van for trying to yeah. help the business yeah. that pays the rates and service charges. Yeah, and making what is a huge attraction for Cork City in the centre of Cork City. It's one of the few markets that are absolutely dead, that is thriving in, in, the, in the European city. They're vanishing everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, still look up and smell the flowers, lads, because if you don't wake up and do that, the market isn't going to last forever. Are there any other, and I know you can't speak on their behalf, are there any other people that you know of are feeling the pressure in the market? There are lots of people feeling the pressure. Everybody in the city centre is feeling the pressure. Mm. You know, you're listening to people every day to come to and they're not comfortable in town because, and we all know why, because... We need more cars in the city, be damn bikes, or be damn whatever. They have to have a presence, otherwise you just end up with a mess. How, how much does well, we safety? How much does safety add into this mix? This perfect storm of negativity uh, that's affecting businesses it's in court. Another, it's just another, another addition. Hmm. It's just one of maybe key problems that businesses are suffering from. You know, they've all got their part to play, but it's the accumulation is getting to people. It, it's that mental strain that is getting to people. It's the pressure of, will I have enough staff when I open tomorrow? Will I be okay opening that envelope or is it going to be another massive bill from ESP or whatever? Mm-hmm. And it's all building and there is a mental pressure there that is just ferocious at the moment. You know, you get in a fellow to repair something now. It's yep. only one and a half times the cost of what it was six months ago or 12 months ago. You try to piece of it, buy a piece of equipment, it's double the price you got. Last year, but can, can you can you blame the artists and producers then, no, and, and other people for going to farmers markets and places like that? Well, does it cost you any less at the end of the day? Drive, the time you drive there and whatever, mm. you know. I mean, it, it's just like we do have such a showcase for local food, local personalities, local characters in this in the in this centre of Cork City. And I mean, you know, that includes Oliver Plunker Street as well as the market where you have small family businesses built up over the years that need help. They need support. 
they need a little break from the pressure. You know, when you hear people saying, I just can't take it anymore, you know you've got a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, business is always stressful, but there's always an enjoyment in it as well. There's well, always I, that buzz of meeting people and a bit of fun and no two days the same. And the challenge of getting fish to your counter or whatever it is, or, you know, that's all. You, you live for that. That's what gives you your, your, your kind of sense of energy and your, your sense of get out there and get on with it. I remember in, 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 I remember in my, in my own childhood visiting aunts and relations in Tyrone Place and Tower Street. W- walking into yeah. town was a hundred percent the thing you did all the time. You, didn't, you never got a car. You, you never you never got a lift into town. And town was buzzing. Yeah. The coal cave was buzzing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and town was safe. Well, my grandmother had uh, my grandmother had a business on Barrack Street. It was absolutely like Patrick Street with people walking up known every day. Yeah. Because the salvation of the business at this stage, there's only one thing that will save all of you guys collectively, and that's footfall. And footfall comes from feeling safe. Absolutely. No doubt about it. And easy access. So if you're stopping cars or if you're making it difficult for cars, that's fine. We all understand climate action. We're all doing our bit. We're all trying to improve that. But you have to have an alternative. Okay, you can't bring your car, but look, the bus is there. It's going to be there every 10 minutes, guaranteed. And it's, it's going to be, you know, quick and efficient and fast. Mm-hmm. Pat, you any, don't have any, one without the other, it doesn't work. Any, any final words for the powers that be? You you're, you're obviously have the longevity and the experience in business uh, to see firsthand what's happening here. You deal with the general public on foot. Uh, you're not a drive-through. Uh, what, what would you say to the powers that be? What's, what's killing the city and what's going to put... Uh, even more ratepayers in danger of exiting. Talk to the people in the city. Listen to the people in the city. You know, when they tried to block off Patrick Street back in the day with the three o'clock thing, we had told them, you know, this isn't going to work unless. And they just went away and they opened it up and did it their own way. And we all know what a disaster that's been. And it's made it difficult now to implement a lot of the things that they want to implement because it just had such a negative effect when it actually should have been a really good thing. So people are still unsure. Is it open or closed? Can I drive there? Or can't I drive there? Can you drive? I can't have the same problem myself. Do I go down and that don't I? Yeah. Everybody has. Nobody knows. So you know, you need clarity. You need to tell people what you're doing. Like, is McCorton Street going to be buses only in another two years or so? I would think so, but nobody knows. Well, that's a that's a bottleneck. You know, so that's a choke point there, and uh, it's yeah, it's changed. Again, it's like two, it's it's two way now again, isn't it? It's two way yeah. again, isn't it? It's confusing for people because if you come down from St. Louis, you can't turn right. So the only way you can get onto it is come up from the keys. Oh, okay. So, you know, let, let's be clear about what we're trying to do with the city. Tell people. Don't be afraid to tell people. If people know, people understand in most cases. They may disagree with it, but they'll understand you have a reason for doing it. Can I, can I just commend one? Can I just commend one organisation? I don't know who it is off the top of my head, and I only get it on Facebook. But I, I have to say that the uh, detail of uh, closures and improvements and planning, uh, as information to the public for the Dunkettle interchange, has been second to none. Dro- drone videos and all that kind of Absolutely thing. Absolutely second to none. Second to none. And people put up with the hassle, and people put up with the delays because, because they, they know. They know there's a bigger, clearer picture at the end of it. Yeah, so hats off to whoever uh, You know, I mean, Business Association, uh, you know, they do that every week with City Council. But listen, and come out of the silos, because each department tends to be in a silo. Come out of the silos, work together. You know, we have a fabulous city. 
let's let's not lose what's good about it. Let's get a, a city centre uh, ta- uh, task force where 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 you know whereby stakeholders like yourself with the experience can yeah. can can That's contribute. Right. I mean, you you have to listen to people, like yeah. you know, ideas are fine, but there's a practical side to every idea. And if you don't explain the idea and explain what happens when you do A, like if you give you know a minimum wage increase. That pushes all the wages up, not just minimum wage. Yeah, uh, you know, so they're like for every you know, on, for every action, there's a reaction. On the other side so of that, the, the reaction. People, yeah, hard workers trying to survive as well on on the minimum. So that's it's a, it's a two sided thing. It's impossible because I have my staff inside trying to get rents and they're paying crazy money. Mm-hmm. But again, it's a lack of joining dots. I think this country is heading to a very interesting place, and I don't mean interesting in a positive way. I think we're facing some very challenging times in the years ahead. Well, make you walk Albert Plunger Street, you walk South Mall, you walk Patrick Street, you look up and you see how many buildings have spare rooms upstairs. And we need to repopulate the city centre. You know, like, and and like, you do the sum on that, like, and you figure out how much it will cost to, to get them open as apartments. Because when people do it, they're taken up straight away. And I think every building has two or three floors that you could have, you know, and there are lots of Europeans here at the moment who want to live in the city centre. That's what they're used to, that's what they come from. They want to be part of that buzz. Pat, it's been great talking to you. You you do that and you have a 24-hour economy and you have a lot safer streets. Yeah, i got to move on, Pat. It's been enlightening as always talking to you. You, you. you speak from the heart. You have the experience to back it up. And, and I think it's, it's just common sense and, and less red tape is, is what we need here. And, and more joined up thinking. It is, yeah. Yeah. Common Pat, sense is a very rare commodity. Best of luck for the future. Not at all, Mick. Take care. All the best. Speak to you again. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. That's Pat O'Connell of K. O'Connell Fishmongers in the English market. Back in a moment. Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868-104-106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Coming up on 21 minutes to 11, it's Mick Mulcahy and for Neil Prenderville for this uh, and for next week. Tom Murphy from Tom Murphy Menswear joins me in line one. Good morning, Tom. Morning, Mick. How are you? I'm good. How have you been finding business lately? A good Christmas season? Uh, Christmas was okay, um, I would say. It was a bit down on last year, um, but that's natural because last year there was a bit of... We were still getting the effects of the post-pandemic splurge. Yeah, the bounce. Um, yeah, um, whereas this year it kind of settled back um, a little bit. But, but business is okay. Now, we have to work very hard. Um, I, I just caught the tail end of the conversation with Pat... I know past myself and, you know, I just heard, you know, he was expressing some of the challenges that the city centre is facing. Um, so going forward through the year and stuff like that, I mean, I expect business will be good for us and stuff, but we have to work very hard. I mean, there is issues with, with, with Cork City Centre. It's, it's, it's not reaching its potential in terms of um, shopping footfall. And that's, that's probably the perspective that I look at it the most because that's what I want to see. I want, I want to see shoppers coming into the city centre. We get our, our regulars come into us and, you know, uh, we, 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 we have to work hard to get people in because, you know, there, there's a lot of things that are going against us. Um, there's a lot of negativity out there, and I suppose yeah. there's a perception out there that I, I'm not sure if I agree with this perception that that it's it's not safe. I mean, I, it is safe, but you know, like any city, late and nice and stuff, you wouldn't want to be in the wrong places. But you know, going around carts during the day and everything, it's very safe. But but one thing, and one of the reasons I rang in this morning is, you know, it, it's quite frustrating because 
like right across the road from us actually there, there's a, a, a former business that has an alcove going back and there's there's a group of lads hanging around there every day they sleep there by day and by night but I suppose it's at this time of year obviously your heart goes out to anyone who doesn't have a home or doesn't have a shelter um, so you know when I say this I, I'm, I'm keeping that at the back of my mind but I just think it doesn't look right for Cork City tourist land here the most prominent street which is Patrick Street and there's 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 a little alcove in there and there's people hanging around there all day and all night I, I won't say what's going on there but I think we all know what is going on there um, is, is that a, a closed shop or something? It's a closed, it was a former restaurant and there's an alcove in there that, that, that the lads and the girls can, can hang around. Now, generally, there's not a lot of, of let's say, bad behaviour going on. There has been a few fights and a few arguments and stuff like that. But I just think it's different to every other part of Patrick Street and the rest of the city in that they're there all day and all night. In fact, last year they put coat hangers up. Um, it was funny, I mean, it was funny in one way, but I saw five coat hangers going up, so the coats were left there during the day and the lads would go off and come back later. Now I got onto the car. I suppose the reason I rang in this morning, I, and I don't want to be down in Cork City Council, I suppose in one way they're doing the best they can, but it kind of shows the lackadaisical attitudes towards sorting out what is going on in the city centre. I, I contacted them about a year and a half ago. I think I got my rates bill in the door and I said I had to talk to somebody about this because... And I actually sent photographs on to, to an individual in the Cork City Council that was assured that it would be dealt with and would be sorted out. But a year and a half later, the, the, it's still there. Like, And I, I just think there's nobody who's, who's got enough pride in, in the city centre that's coming along and saying, I'd sort this out. The, the, the lads, the administrators or whatever, they're getting their paycheck at the end of the week. And, you know, grants, you know, this is put on the long finger. We'll sort it out in six months, a year or whatever. Yeah. But like I, I, I sent it, I, I tried to, I tried to get this started a year and a half ago, and it's, it's exactly the same. Like now, I've spoken to the guards about it, and the guards have told me it's Cork City Council. It starts out Cork City Council say it's the guards' job to start it out. Yeah. And I just think it looks terrible for Cork City. Uh, like, I, I, bureaucracy I, is necessary, and you know you're running a city. It's not you're not running a little sweet shop. Um, but bureaucracy without passion, I think, can be very dangerous. And it doesn't seem that they have the passion to solve these problems. Certainly not the urgency, if they have the passion. Yeah, well, urgency is, is the word that you use there, and urgency is what I think should be used for in a matter like this. You know, I brought it up about a week and a half ago again, Nick, with, with two members of uh, City Council, and I said, this is before now I heard about the couple of closures of these restaurants and stuff, and I said, Some, somebody needs to take pride in the city centre. I've heard the word czar used before. You used the word task force a while ago. Um, but, you know, I even pointed out to the, 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 the lad I was talking to from the city council, but it's, it said it shouldn't take Tom Murphy to come on the phone and start ringing you. I said, why isn't there someone on the ground who spots these things and, you know, tries to do something about it? So your, your business, I think, Tom, would, you, you need a lot of regulars because it's not like people are coming into you to buy a loaf of bread every day. So your, 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 your regulars might be two months apart. Yeah, well, look, we're around since 1938, so we have a good regular trade. Um, the passing trade is definitely declined over the last couple of years. Um, the city centre doesn't attract as many. We've lost a generation of shoppers, which are the older generation. I even think I'm 50. I think my generation, people, the amount of people I hear saying, oh, I've come into the city centre. It, it, they've complained about it. You know, Pat was talking about all the different issues, the parking, etc., 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 um, I think 
we need, and we've been, I've been asking members of the City Council about this for quite a while. I said somebody needs to be selling the city centre as a great place to go. I hear ads for Matton Point all the time. I heard loads of ads pre-Christmas for Matton Point. I heard nothing about Cork City Centre. Now, there was an effort made last year or the year before. I think there was a lot of, um, camp, there was a campaign um, orchestrated to talk about Cork, uh, Cork City Centre as being a great place to go for Christmas shopping. There was absolutely nothing done this year. So there was a complete lack of, of, of selling the city, and, and, mm-hmm. and that's so important. Um, but, like, another thing that, that confounds me sometimes is, like, we've pointed this out, we formed a retail group there a couple of years ago, and in the end we were kind of shouted down. Um, I, I can't even remember how, how, how the group was disbanded. But what I feel, you know, they keep telling us, or keep, we are keep being told that the football numbers are up in Cork City Centre, and I go, first of all, I want to know where these mysterious football counters are. But secondly, what I see is there's a lot of people hanging around the city. Um, and I'm not saying they're hanging around in an antisocial way, but there's a lot of people go to coffee shops. So we want shoppers coming back to Cork City Centre. Now, it needs to be advertised. It needs to be promoted. It is a safe place. There's no, for me, there's no issue there. I know I spoke about people across the way, and I, it just doesn't look great. And again, I think somebody should come along and take responsibility, and, and there should be a, a sense of urgency. We're not accepting this. I was over in Venice over the summer, and I, now it's a very different city, but I couldn't believe how well-managed the city centre was. There was thousands of people, and they were having cans on the streets and everything, but there was no fighting, there was no hassle. What city was, was that? Good. Venice. Oh, Venice, yes. Yeah, I know it's very different, and uh, you know, but I, I noticed there was these people going around as well as the presence of guards. But there was guys and women with with um, stewards' vests on or something, and on the front of the issues that take pride in our city centre. Um, so obviously, there, there's a campaign over there to try and you know uh, uh, take pride in the city. Um, and, but maybe and if we if we ran a few uh, free to city buses at you know at uh, at key times, maybe Monday, Wednesday, Friday or something, free to city, come and shop. Something like that. I know someone's going to have to pay for it, but the buses are running anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I think parking as well, giving reduced um, prices on the parking. They did that last Christmas or the Christmas before. It wasn't done this year. So again, there seems to be this laissez-faire attitude, which will, you know, our teams will take care of themselves or it'll be done at some stage. There is talks and path references about getting people to live in the city. That's years and years away. Yeah. I mean... For our buildings, for instance, Vic, like if we were to, to try and turn that, there's, there's space upstairs for an apartment perhaps. The, the investment to do that would be hundreds of thousands to, to get in the right type of insulation to, to do all that kind of stuff. So that, that's, that's a much longer project. But the easier things to do and the things to tackle in the short term, the, the situation across the road from us, which I've already referenced, yeah. someone, someone should be patrolling the streets of Cork, as in members of the, the administrative council or whatever, and, and, and know what needs to be done. As Pat said, and he's right, and this is very important, they need to start listening to the retailers. Years ago when the Pana ban came in first, retailers started saying, oh, at three o'clock the, 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 there's a migration of people out of the city centre. And we were, we were laughed at, or we were shouted down, and we were told that we were, we were imagining it. We were told that... It was um, it was a feature of modern um, yeah. uh, um, uh, retail where where people left cities early and all that. That was a lot of codswallop. Yeah. What was happening was people were leaving because there wasn't enough communication and path reference. This as well. Um, where, where and you, you guys would contend now that uh, if you'd been listened to you, you know, now you would contend you're proven right. There was no need for it for the Panaban. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, that, I don't even know what's going on out in the streets, but that's, I see guards out there sometimes there. I, I, I actually don't know, because that's, that's, a, that's a complete farce. But, I mean, what, what, what I see as being vitally important now is that the, re- the retailers and the people working in the city centre are listened to. These footfall counters that are showing that more people are coming into the city, apparently... There, they, there may be more people hanging around the city. There's students in there. There's, 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 there's a lot of people coming in, and they're, they're, they're hanging around. They're drinking coffee, salad. But the sh- a generation of shoppers has been lost in the city centre. Um, they're, they're probably never going to come back. My generation, we're losing them, um, and something needs to be done. Uh, I've, I've heard members of the city council. I've heard members of government because we get a lot of um, politicians coming to us, and I always bring this up. And they give me the answer that, oh, society is changing. Some of them give the answer that society is changing and, and, you know, a lot of cities are going that way. But if that's the case, we're looking at the wrong cities for inspiration. Dublin isn't great. I've been up there. But Galway is fantastic. I was up in Galway over the summer, and Galway is a great city to go shopping it's in. It's a great city, but uh, outside of Shop Street, you know, as, as you go further out, Cork is much bigger in its bohemian charm and appeal than Galway. Galway has one buzzy street, and it's near a harbour, and it's very lovely and all that. Uh, yeah. the, the further you go away from Shop Street, it, it, you know that sort of buzz disappears quickly. Yeah, but what I, yeah, but what we need is we need that buzz that they have at Shop Street in Cork City, um, because as you said, it is a more charming city. Um, there, we 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 need we need to uh, attract more people to come in. It needs to be seen as, and I'm saying this from a, my own personal perspective. We need shoppers coming into Cork City, and we need people to go. This is the place to go. There's a great buzz around here, and we we we. I'm not. It's not all doom and gloom. We, we, the city centre. There's times when it's really busy and stuff like that. But we can do a lot more. Again, I referenced what I said a second ago. We need to start looking at cities where it works, where they have got a vibrant inner city shopping district. Um, but uh, members members of the government and council that I've spoken to have said, oh, sure, Dublin, look at Dublin, look at Limerick. They're not great cities to try and reference. There are other cities. I haven't travelled to a lot of European cities in recent times, but I used to go to Germany to the likes of Dusseldorf, Cologne. Um, I've been to Copenhagen. And they're bustling inner cities, and they still are. So this that's a load of codswallop. This stuff that's saying that the city centres um, or that shopping is migrating out to the outs- outside districts, and we t- uh, we always hear the token gestures that um, oh, online has taken an awful lot. I was just going to ask you how, how much has online affected what's happening in the city centre? Of course, it's had a, an impact, but. Like, first of all, I, we, we, we were the first to in Ireland, men's or anyway, to go online about 20 years ago. So I know all about the benefits of online and I know about the disadvantage that it brings to physical stores. But, like, it's, it's, it's a portion of it, but that doesn't mean that we can't. We need, we need to have ambition to have a vibrant, thriving, shopping inner city centre, which is attractive to people from all the, the different generations. Um, but a lot of people who come to Cork as well. Uh, and, for, know, and for anyone who's who's reduced their number of visits to the city, I suppose what you'd be appealing for is come back in and shop. Support your local uh, hard-working retail units, be that food, be that, uh, you know, there's a place for fast food and coffee as well. But there's hostelries and fantastic bars around Cork, as well as people like yourself in the clothes trade. 
Yeah, and we need to communicate that message uh, to people, but we need, the traders in the city centre can't do it on their own. There probably should be more joined up thinking with the members of the city council, but we need people from the city council who would, who will advocate on our behalf and work with us and stuff, and, and not tell us that, that like, we, the last time... with this, Ty, we've we, we, we got to wrap it up. I'm under serious okay, pressure. Okay. But listen, okay, th- okay. Th- thanks, thanks for all, all of the uh, great points there. Uh, just got a couple of ad breaks to take before news at 11. Thanks, Tom. Call Neil now. 0818104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. And it just turned five minutes to 11 o'clock. Some texts uh, which came into us. And you can text us, by the way, on 0868104106. The phone number for the program is 0818104106. But a huge and positive reaction to my interview with uh, Timmy Long from the two Norries. Of course, their podcast is finishing up. I think the last one is being issued tomorrow. Um, but Mick, Timmy was a lovely little boy. And he had a hard life. I'm so proud of the man he is today. He was always a sweet child. Hi Mick, do they ever do anything with 12 to 13 year olds before all this stuff kicks in? I would love my son to hear what it's like when you do, or if you go down the wrong track. Does Timmy go to schools to meet with kids by any chance? I believe yes he does. But I'll continue with your text. My son is playing it tough with us at the moment. It would be great for him to get this view. I think it would be great for children in schools to hear all of this. Thanks very much. Hey, Mick, good to hear you again. What about prescription drugs? Uh, would be nice if we had a topic on prescription drugs and addiction there. Yeah, in fact, uh, America's uh, in the grip of an opioid pandemic, uh, opioid pandemic right now, isn't it? Uh, Timmy has given back to his community, says a texture. He's a great guy and has a heart of gold. And he is a credit to the North Side. And one final one. And just listening to Timmy talking about his experience with uh, drugs and alcohol, he is so articulate in sharing his experience and has reminded me to look at the person behind the drugs and alcohol. A true hero overcoming it all, uh, says Ingrid. Yeah, that's a good line, Ingrid. He reminded you to look at the person behind the drugs and and alcohol. To Ingrid and others, thank you for your texts. We have news at 11 next. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. And your calls and comments are welcome. If you want to phone us, it's at 0818 104 106. Our text line is 086 or WhatsApp as well. SMS or WhatsApp 086 8104 106. And uh, on the uh, city business closures, and just to bring some clarity, uh, the vouchers apparently for Bar Pigal on Barrack Street are being validated and you can redeem them in Tom Barry's, which is a fine establishment and a lovely place uh, to enjoy a quiet one of an evening. Uh, also on Barrack Street, of course, Tom Barry's and the vouchers for Bar Pigal on Barrack Street are being validated. That's the word I have. Uh, I put redeemed in myself. I don't know what validated means. I hope you can get the, the full value there. Uh, or pass it on to somebody who will. Uh, When are people going to wake up? Thanks to the Green Party, the country is falling apart. There are cycle lanes all over the city and nobody's using them. There's nowhere for delivery vans to park then. Carbon taxes and fuels are driving people out of business, along with ridiculous rates and service charges. Bring on an election when we can get rid of these lunatic greens. A bemused listener uh, called John. Uh, Another texter says, this is exactly what I've been on about for a long time regarding fridge vans needing parking for delivery of frozen and chilled foods. It's costing me a fortune on fines. Uh, That is from Tony O'Driscoll 
Transport Limited. Uh, uh, and we have a note here as well, just in from uh, Nash 19. Uh, vouchers were not sold at all this Christmas. We did hampers as the voucher business is cumbersome and difficult to control from an administrative point of view. So happy to point that out. I know one of our callers said that they had gotten a voucher. Maybe it was purchased well in advance of Christmas. Uh, but uh, from Nash 19, vouchers were not sold at all this Christmas. We did hampers as the voucher business is cumbersome and difficult to control from an administrative point of view. Thank you. So we are happy to call that one out. Uh, sure, there are no toilets uh, in the city. This is just awful. I go into Le Chateau and they're so nice in there. I'd recommend them to everyone. But car parking in the city is a bit pricey. If they did four or five hours uh, for a set fee, they would get more people going into the city and spending. It makes sense. It's very difficult to run a business in the city. Uh, if they had more people going into the city, it would be very good for all businesses. Hopefully they'll bring down the rates and listen to the people, says Marie from Clon. And a lot of people complaining as well that, uh, you know, if you're there for one hour and one minute, you're charged for two hours. And that's the way of, uh, of parking areas. You'll never see one of the car parks up for sale, let me tell you as their cash printing machines. Fair play to Pat. Uh, that's Pat O'Connell. He's talking a lot of sense. Uh, nobody's going into the city. It's a disgrace. There are drugs, drunks, human excrement everywhere and dog poo all over the place too. Um, there are zero police and thugs are running amok. Wake up. The city is doomed. It's ridiculous. That's a bit heavy, isn't it? Uh, there are drugs, drunks, human excrement everywhere and dog poo all over the place. Zero police and thugs running amok. Well, you've texted us in and I've read it out. Pat sounds so deflated. Uh, wishing him and all the businesses in the city centre the best for 2024. Now the texter says we need cheaper parking instead of trying to get people to not drive into the city, which is why people are not driving into the city. We're going to Man Point or Wilton, etc., for the free parking. Uh, we pay enough for our cars between tax, petrol and insurance, so we want to be able to use them to go get our shopping or get our food. We don't want to use unreliable buses and unused bike lanes. The unused bike lanes are coming up quite a bit uh, in the text. I wonder could we get a caller on that one? Uh, uh, I haven't been in the city centre for a while. Um, to any great extent. So I just wonder where all of these offending bike lanes are situated. Uh, all I can hear is two middle-aged, privileged white males struggling to keep up with a changing world. Keep up or jump off. Thank you for that text. I find parking too expensive and my bus service is limited, so I rarely go into the city anymore. We're in Carrig Navarre. We have four cars in the house, but probably only need two if we had better connectivity. Uh, I feel the black ash should be free. Working in Cork City is, is a disaster. There's nowhere to park and the buses are always full at rush hour. A couple more. Uh, the reason why clothes shops are quiet in town is because prices are too expensive. I bought a pants for 15 euro in a market in Dublin. The same pants was 90 euro in one place in the city. That's Jer from Ardfert. And when the Pana ban came in, the city council said this model would become the norm. How many other cities have introduced a similar ban, says uh, Paddy. Uh, and a correction on the Tong Sing, just letting you know that the Tong Sing in Balancholic is permanently closed. Yes, we have the sign over the building, but it's been closed for months says Margaret from Balancholic. So sorry if we gave the wrong impression uh, that they remain in business uh, in Balancholic. I know they have the, uh, the food van in uh, Hanley's Garden Centre and I know, I think at least, uh, that they're still open in Blarney but I'm open to correction there as well. But the tongue saying in Balancholic is permanently closed. And uh, uh, one more, that's Margaret in Balancholic. Thank you. 
Uh, Helen McEntee said there is nobody coming in here without all their passports and documentation. So who is lying there? It's uh, a total sham, Mick, says Marie from Clon. Uh, so thank you for all those texts and keep them coming on 086-8104-106. To line two now and to Peter Horgan. Hi, Peter. Hi, Mick. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Now, you're a local election Labour candidate for Cork City Southeast. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, those, um, those elections when? May? Uh, June, June. June, June. I beg your pardon. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay, you, you, you want a full, frank, open and public discussion on the future of the city centre. We've uh, small businesses closing down at a pace now. Uh, where, where do you stand on all of this? I th- it's interesting. I'm listening to Pat and listening to some of the textures that came in there saying that Pat's only deflated Pat O'Connell. Like, usually the most energetic, positive voice for Cork and is now at a point where you know, he is, you know, seeing no hope, almost, not to put words in his mouth, but, you know, seeing that there's problems that need to be addressed. And when you take what Pat was talking about and what Tom was talking about, when you take what your listeners have been texting in about, when you take the number of closures we've seen in 2024 alone, there does need to be something uh, pulled together in open forum. Because a lot of the time you say... There'll be people meeting with side side meetings of side meetings and side meetings with ministers, with PDs, with councillors, with candidates, with City Hall. We need them all in one room, have it in the concert hall in City Hall, lay everything on the table. The CBA, commerce, traders, politicians, uh, the executive in City Hall, the transport agencies in the city, in the state. We need them all to get into one room and to say, right, what exactly is needed to save Cork City Centre. I'm not being populist on it, I'm not being fear-inducing on it, but there is a turning point happening in Cork City at the moment. We have to decide as a city whether we want to leave it as a go, leave it go as it is, or do we want to reimagine it as something new? Not, not something so much that, that a turning point is happening, I think a turning point needs to happen, Peter. Well, it, it, it's happened probably already within one of closures. I mean, I, I did, a, a, after the White Rabbit announced yesterday, and the rumour rumor mill has gone into overdrive about other eateries around the city and other areas that everyone kind of looked at, you know, the domino system that appears to be happening. It's probably all independent of each other, but if one closes and then another closes and another closes, you have to see that there's something happening here. A big issue that I would take is what Pat said about public transport and buses and the lack of promotion. There is no promotion to use the bus to get into Cork City Centre for whatever your business is in the city, whether you're working in the city, whether you're doing your retail, whether you're having your hospitality in the city. We, we haven't seen any sort of promotional marketing exercise to take the bus because we do have a congestion crisis in Cork. There's a massive... There's the, road, the City Council came out last year and said the roads cannot take any more. They are full. So that means we don't build more roads. We need to get people out of the cars for single occupancy journeys where possible and onto public transport. And how do you do that? With better public transport, cheaper public transport. What we wanted in the Labour Party was a nine euro climate ticket trial for Cork City. Just a trial. The government won't do it, the NTA won't do it. It's costed, it did it, we did it in Germany. That's big and it, I was going to say that. Italy and Germany are, are running that programme very successfully. And, and Germany, Germany did decide to, to up it after the trial but it took twenty to 30,000 cars off the off the road, and it costed it out even for Cork City alone. Uh, I mean, in three months, it, I mean, I'll tell you now, it, it would have costed about nine million to trial it for six months in Cork City. And I, my my point is that I'll back anyone, I, like anyone in the, in the GA or soccer 
team. If you take a shot, fair play, so I'll back you on that. But if you're afraid to take the shot, then I have a problem. And it's almost like we have a system set up here in Cork where we're afraid to take the shot. We talk about a city rising, that means nothing to people. There's all these taglines and buzzwords. And you're going to have a lot of this coming up to the local elections in June. You're going to have a lot of people on your programme and on other programmes, you know, saying that they have the answers. I don't believe that I have all the answers. I don't believe anyone has all the answers. But I think if we get everyone together in the one room, if we start a process of identifying what the issues are and saying what can people do in return. And it's a bit of, it's a bit like the post offices as well, where you have to use it or lose it. If you don't use your post office, if you don't use your city centre, you're going to lose your city centre. And there, there's a personal responsibility on people too to make that conscious effort. But it needs to have the underlying support system there. You need to have the, the right amount of parking. You need to have the, the proper shuffling of buses going in and out. Like the park and ride, it, I still can't get my head around it. I have an FOI gone into City Hall to ask how much it's costing, how many times it was used last year. We don't proactively put this out. We should be hearing City Hall from the rooftop screaming, use the park and ride, take the bus, support the city centre. It's silence. Yeah, I, I think and, you're, and you're absolutely right on, on one point. We need to advertise and make attractive the public transport systems, even if that has to be a, a free trial period or if you've got a QR code in the city so that your bus home is free uh, what you want, you've made the spend, if you know what I mean. Uh, all these, I think we re, do, don't we really need to reimagine Cork City Centre? It might be. It, it, the way that, that online shopping has gone, and we have to be honest about it, shopping has changed. It's moved online. And anyone in retail will tell you that. There's a very limited amount of people that will, you know, but it's, it will have to just go in for the shopping and pick up. But I'm not an expert on, on the numbers and that. But online, it's here to stay. Now, do you, do you have an issue where, and then a lot of companies do it, where you, you might shop online and the delivery might be X, but collected in store is for free. And then if you're trying to entice people in that way, do you know, if you're entice people to collect and store for free, and how did someone get into the city centre then to collect it? So there's all that sort of stuff. That's why I think we need people around around a one giant table, as it was, uh, from hospitality, from retail, and pull it together on that. Another thing with the city centre, and it's a, it's a bone of contention in my in my mind, and I'm a father of two small children, two small boys, they're four, four and two. I struggle to bring them into the city centre on the bus, or even in the car. Because there's nothing really to do in the city centre. There's no local playground. Fitzgerald's Park is not in the city centre, no matter how many people might say it is. It's absolutely not. So, like, if you go into the city centre and you want to say, well, we'll go for a bite to eat and we'll bring the kids. Like, some restaurants are brilliant and some, some aren't. Uh, but what I want to see is that if you have more of a family-friendly atmosphere, like a municipal kind of play zone or something like that, where parents could bring their kids, they throw two euro in so that there's some sort of financial investment in the process so that it's it kind of kept well like and they're able to burn off their steam there and then you go for your bike to eat and then mom might go to the shopping dad might do the shopping and mom stays with the kids something like that you know but you, you make it family friendly and again you incentivize people to come in through different elements we have these cargo bike holders in the city centre um, one on the South Mall I know for sure uh, and, and another one over by uh, the Opera House they're great they're super. They're great to see, and it's great to see them being trialled and used. But why not trial them for buggies? You know, there's so many shops and so many um, uh, cafes and restaurants that are small, they can't take the buggies. And if you have two kids or more, you're looking like you're in a double buggy sometimes, um, but, and you can't get into somewhere, do you know? The and areas like uh, Oliver Plunkett Street, um, Peter, and uh, Princess Street, 
Uh, they've received investment and pedestrianisation reforms, shall we say, or changes. Yeah. Um, they were welcomed and made the city a little more accessible, a little more bohemian. But um, have they been successful? You'd have to ask the traders that. And given that traders on Princess Street have closed over the last three days, Absolutely, yeah. there is something wrong there. So what happened between the the, the, the welcoming of those reforms and welcoming of, those in the, of that investment to now? Is it the VAT? Is it the VAT rate? Is it the warehousing of debt, as we said in your programme already? Mm-hmm. Does revenue need to be a bit more flexible? Does government need to be a bit more flexible? We have the Minister for Finance, the Minister for Enterprise and Partnership in Cork, South Central. Like, I know they're involved with, with, with traders. I know they're talking to traders. But what's happening? We do need a plan to save Cork City. Where that plan, but it's not just on City Hall. And I'm not going to be someone who, who points over at City Hall and says, yeah, who's up to you? Do you know, you, know, you need to kind of rationalise it out. Where, who needs to be running that promotional activity? Is it the NTA? Is it both there? Will, you be, it, will it be as proactive if elected, Peter? I certainly hope so. <laughs> if you're working in there yourself? Well, I always believe that a city councillor isn't... A, a, like, sometimes people, when they're in City Hall, they say, we in City Council. I always believe that a councillor is elected to City Council to represent the views of the people and to represent his, his or her area. That's what I'd be hoping to do if I got elected. Um, I didn't plan to do a party political broadcast uh, to, to be fair, you're you're very well spoken for a potential candidate, and it, it has turned out in your favour. Um, you, you know, your first time on here, so I'm not going to uh, harp on to uh, to difficult things. But um, uh, one of the things, the city rising, you mentioned. I, I don't think a slogan is going to do it. No, and that's been there for a few years, and it's been said of city rising. And, and you kind of, uh, when I heard it first a few years ago, when it was when it was bandied about. I, I never understood it because it almost seemed that it was the city rising and they were talking about office blocks. And the city is not office blocks. Yes, office blocks are needed and we need, and it's good to see the second um, plan was reverted back to residential, even though I was good to see the second knocked down. But the fact that it's gone back to residential is important. We do yeah. need to bring people living in the city centre again. Maybe they should change a city rising to, uh, are you going to town? Are you going to town? That'll be a good one. You know, and, and it, we missed the boat over Christmas for that. Now, a lot of places would say that it was one of the best Christmases in years. I think this was the first Christmas where people actually did go out since COVID and, and in, in their numbers, which makes it makes it even more confusing to me that places were busy over Christmas, had a bumper Christmas from what I understand, and yet now are closing. So where where where's the difference? Here, what's happening? Where's 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 the what I'm not seeing happening? And sometimes businesses. You know, they, 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 and the business deciding to close is not done lightly. And my, very much my thoughts are with all the staff who have lost their jobs in the last number of days. And I very much hope that they're trade union, by working with the trade union, and I hope that all support is given to them and the uh, correct amount of redundancy, if old, is given to them too. And that hopefully they, that they won't be long looking for work. Peter, can I ask you a question? This might be a little cheeky of me. Do, do you guys get... Um communication lessons and media savvy lessons and all that kind of stuff uh, as you're making your entry into the world of politics? No. No? no. All right. No, 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 we don't. You're a particularly well-spoken candidate for the local elections anyway. Thank best of luck to you and to all of the other candidates. And I'm sure we'll be deluged on the airwaves with every single candidate vying for attention. I'll give you one thing for a would-be politician. You can talk. 
Thanks, Peter. Can I walk, is it? <laughs> Thanks, bye. Cheers. Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868-104-106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Just touching half eleven, coming up on 29 minutes past 11. Mick Mulcahy on the Neil Prenderville Show. Good morning, Finbar. Good morning to you, Mick. Um, you're talking about people going into the city or the, or the town, as we call it. Call it. Going to town, uh, yeah. We should call it. But, um, you see, <clears throat> looking at this, well, look, I'm 79. Cork City has always been the great pleasure to me since I was a small boy, and I still love it. But if I go in with my wife, we do a bit of shopping, we have a snack, we have my taking out, my taking out road in for shopping, and we just wander along back. We were talking for three hours. I have to pay for uh, for the car and all that. It's ridiculous. I've been penalised for shopping in the city. If I go to Blackpool and do the same thing and have me snack and that, I pay nothing. Do you understand? I go to Bishop I pay nothing. Do you understand? This city is charging me the pleasure of going in and buying stuff inside the city. I think it's ridiculous. I can't understand the city council not coming up with something. Excuse <coughs> me. Yeah, it, it's, it seems to me to be maybe two issues. If they could do something on the parking, be it make it attractive by making the first section free or whatever, uh, and do something by advertising and making attractive the public transport that seems to be running around the place half empty except for rush hour, uh, or, you know, and along with the other idea of if you buy something in the city over 10 euro or 15 euro, you get a QR code on your, uh, on your receipt uh, that's scannable on the bus and, and off you go home for free. Maybe over a hundred quid. We put a hundred quid into the city. Just we wait for myself, you know. We're getting, waiting for the bus days and are gone. Forget it. We have to use the car. Um, and anyway, that's not a pint. Two or three isn't the, isn't the best. The best uh, service uh, line anyway. But anyway, what I'm saying is, before we start the derby, we we know we're going to pay ten to twelve quid for parking. So that's that's. That's, that's a no, no, no. But I, as I say, I love Cox City. I always did, and I always will. But something has to be done. Some years ago, there was a, uh, Christmas. They used to give a, was it a first hour free? Even that, if that was allowed, something like that, maybe more people might go into city. I was in there um, six hours a week. And I tell you, it was pretty. It would depend on the, the after Christmas uh, shopping. They would be in trouble, and I can see where all these places are closing down in the city. People are avoiding it. You go to Blackpool; it's packed. Any time I go, there's a pack. I, I think there's there's an almost unconscious feeling that you're looking at your watch all the time when you're in the city if your car is parked the, uh, in uh, one of the private or, or the uh, you know the council facilities. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's a nice it's a nice thing to go into one of these cafes and have a cup of tea or coffee, whatever sandwich each. And take an hour, roughly an hour there, like, but you're paying for that hour as well. And you're doing your shopping, you're going to leave money there, and you're paying for that as well, on top of your shopping. So you're being penalised all the time. <laughs> I can understand so, the private car parks are there, are there to make money. Yeah. I can understand who you had, yeah, because I, my lad walked in one time, and he said, that is part of your job. You know, it is part of where you like that. You must bring in the money. And why, why don't you like getting the bus anymore? Have you, have you used a two or three lately? No. I say lately, the last couple of years, no. Well, you, the average wait in Patrick Street is an hour, I think. Oh, so, like, we're, 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 we're waiting, waiting for the two or three back, is it, yeah? 
you 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 two or eight is the best service in Cork, and and I can understand it. I really do. It's it's full every time. There are more people waiting, whereas the two or three is fairly sparse. So I can understand. The manager came on of 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 the bus here and came on, and he made no excuse. Two or three, half the time he said the bus is empty. Okay, so it's so a... the full. So I can understand he what he's talking about too. And is is, is that people. down to the frequency that the two or three comes around, or down to just lack of demand, or what? I I reckon that put if, if there's any crowd in any other any other place, like the tour, you know, the tour fifteenth uh, Blackpool, they're fairly packed, so they'll take a bus off a two or three and put it onto one of those. I think. Okay, I don't I don't know how the bus system works. Do, do they change routes if there's a if there's a demand or a lack of demand? Does it jump onto a different route or a different number? I don't know. I don't know. Two or three have a new route again from the city. It actually has gone back to the old route. Maybe the Umfla. It's gone back, and it's pretty good. It comes out of the city faster. Then um, it gets away from the keys. I thought you said two or three wasn't good. Is it two or eight you're talking about? No, but it, no, two or three isn't good. But it, it has a new a new road, which used to be years ago when I was young, as a teenager. It used to be this way, and they've gone back to it, and it's a good idea. Got out of the city faster. Yeah. So whether that helps me or not, but look, I get the bus usually every Saturday. I go into the city, and I've often been waiting down. I'd walk from here to Blackpool. Actually, in the morning, I walk from down from my own place and family, and they actually walked into the city, and they still didn't see you no know, two or three pass me in. And that's what I mean, twenty-five minute walk, thirty-minute walk. About a, well, about three quarters of an hour. Is that my pace now? And there was no bus pass me. Do you understand? The, I, I even know the bus road. So you're, you're walking on the bus route and no bus passed you. And no, and that was roughly three quarters of an hour. You see, do, do, do you understand? The, <coughs> I have, for like Saturday, I have plenty of time going up of them. So I go on my own. But if I have to go, go on my way, I have to pay. I'm being penalized for shopping. Do you have to do something? All right. <coughs> Fair point, Finbar. Thanks a million. Thank you. Cheers, by uh, Jim Ahern is on line two. Hiya, Jim. How are you, boy? We're on about public transport. Do you want to make your addition? Yeah, well, I mean, we just take yesterday, and it was a, a typical example of bus routes on the 214, and there was no bus from 2 o'clock onwards till half past four in Glanmire. Um There was one bus came in, and it avoided seven bus stops and left everybody at the bus stop and was, was went back up to the city empty. Um, someone made that call to keep time or to keep their schedule in place, but everybody was left behind in Glamour yesterday. And this is typical of the two one four coming both ways. You could be you could be an hour and a half in Patrick Street waiting for a two one four to Glamour. People just get a taxi home. This is the Greens' marvelous decision of, of we'll all get on buses. The buses aren't there now. Somebody's taken the decision yesterday. I took the decision to take the two one four the quarter past three bus off the schedule yesterday. It was down in Glamour and it passed all the bus stops and picked nobody up. But why, why would so an empty bus right? pass bus stops? Well, they, they take the shortcut, they come down by the by the bar there, by the, um, uh, by the castle and they go up over the bridge. That big bus goes over the small, small humpback bridge. I don't know if it's even too heavy for the bridge, but anyway, they do it. Is that down by where, where the old the bank call. was, across from the Widows? No, no, not that one. The other one up further up by the Riverstone Bar is there. The oh, yeah, where the old John Barleycorn used to be. Where the John Barley? So he, they did avoid all the glamour. They take the sneaky back road there to avoid the seven bus stops en route, 
which is what they've done yesterday again. And all the bus stops are full of people. Well, that's, a, that's, that's a hell of an allegation to be making. The, 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 I watched it. The bus driver's ta- the taking bus a shortcut to avoid picking up people. That's what they done yesterday. I watched the bus come over the bridge and I pointed it out to everybody else at the bus stop. I said, the last one was cancelled and here's the next bus now up over the Humpback Bridge and avoided seven bus stops. That was the yesterday quarter past three bus. You can ring up the department down, they'll tell you they done it. Right, and there was loads of people at the bus stops that didn't get a, didn't get a bus yesterday. I suppose if you take a detour, you're, you're, you know there's, you can't obviously see the seven bus stops, but you know there's seven bus stops being avoided, as, as you allege. Well, well, the bus stop that I was at, there was uh, there was eight people, so you can multiply that by seven. That was a busload of people. That's a full bus. That were yeah. left standing that couldn't get to the city yesterday. Someone took that decision. And that was, and, and that's 50 less people in the city centre. There you go. There's your problem. I, and when the bus did come at about half past four, the second one, because I was watching it, everybody had gone from the bus stop at that stage. People just, had just given up. Just given up. Just given up. So there's your bus now, and there's the green super policy. Now, we had a great 214 service in Glamour, as you do the loop from uh, town back to Glamour, and then they extended it out to the south side. They put on an extra bus, and the minute they done that, they started cancelling the routes to Glamour to keep the south side going. That's what's killing the 214. Yeah, I mean, when, when, when you look at, when you look at success, success stories like West Cork Connects or Cove Connects, they're, they're frequent, they're always full, and they're obviously being loved and supported. Absolutely. But the Glamour bus is well supported, but they won't send them down. And why would, you, why would you take a bus off? Why would you send that bus back empty and leave all the people at the bus stop? Who made that call? I mean, you can ring up for a bus here and ask them why they done it. This, this will tell you, you know, why did somebody... It wasn't the driver that made that decision. He got the call from somebody to pass everything on and come back to the city. He got the call. It's not the driver's problem. Somebody in the department or the officer he walks in made that decision. Oh, so he, he was detoured. That's a big difference now. If he was detoured by order from the office, that's a big difference to willfully avoiding seven bus stops. Well, I never said the driver was at fault. Oh, okay. that's, it's good to clarify that anyway. Just ring, ring him up and ask him what happened to bus. Yes, sir. Well, first of all, they cancelled the one at two o'clock, and then there was no bus. And when it did come across three, it diverted right back into the city and did not pass the bus stops. Okay, let's see if we can look into it. Thanks, thanks for that, Jim. Do ask him. There you go. Thanks All a million. Right, Cheers. Magic. Bye bye. Now Anne's been holding for a while, and I'll come to her in a moment. A restaurateur in Corn Market Street. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Good morning from the Neil Prendival Show. Anne, you've been hanging around and I've been trying to get to you for some time. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks for texting in that's in the first a, place, by the way, and it's great to get you on the all, air. That's all. You're quite all right. You're quite all right. Look, it's... Um, <laughs> where where do we start with this matter? You know, there's, there's a bunch of different angles, but... Um, What's the I name of your restaurant? What's the name of it? 51 Corn Market. It's called... It's, that's not the address, then. It is the address, it is, but it's, it's, it's also it's the name. So okay. It, 51 Corn in, Market in light, in light of all the recent uh, comments here, we make it very easy for people to find if we pull the address. So. Okay. <laughs> uh, you must be delighted with the cost of business going down, are you? Oh, yeah, it's fab. Um, I, like I said, I, I, I don't know what angle we can kind of attack that other than it's, it's extremely hard at the moment. Um I mean, I, I feel for I feel for every business that's closed, especially in recent weeks. That it's not, it's really not a decision that comes lightly. And if someone's come to that point that they've had to close, you know, people need to understand that they've they've been through an awful lot of stress, an awful lot of ups and downs before that point. So, uh, I think a little bit of softness is probably needed around the place as well. 
Okay, and uh, you're blaming footfall being taken out of town by various enterprises. Uh, look, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm blaming footfall being gone down. I'm, I'm blaming the, the city council, which feels like, they almost feel like some sort of policing force that isn't there working, but more just going around making sure everyone's staying in this very archaic line of rules. And it just, it just feels like that for all the work that we have to do within our doors, there's actually twice and three times as much to do to get people to come through the door in the first place with what all the hurdles are around the place. Yeah. The and and you, you guys invariably are working more than the, the average 40-hour week. Uh, yeah, I mean, where I, I've, I've recently taken on a, a 40, 40 on, 3 day off to kind of help combat that. I think hospitality, I think it's kind of old news now that people should be doing those 70-hour weeks and I, I kind of like to look after my team, so you know, we know we all come in and do the same amount of hours. We all go home at the same time. We all say goodbye at the end of the week at the same time. But I think that that helps a little bit with that work-life balance. But yes, as a whole, we're already working on social hours. We're working nights. We're working weekends. We're doing all this. You know, we're we're working very hard to get customers to come in through and to kind of be up against hurdles all the time, be it the cost of electricity, you know, rates are there, or just the city council not doing anything really. I mean, there, there's so many vacant properties in the city i know people spoke about them from a residential perspective i'm speaking about them from maybe a business perspective i mean i'd love to continue on opening other food outlets it's it's my passion it's what i do and you know you look at places that are maybe you know zoned for retail i wouldn't even attempt to go taking on the council to go you know how about i stick a restaurant in there or how about i do a bakery in there how about i you know do another irish product you know run by you know a small business here they won't listen to that. Yeah. So, it, it's, so you, you it's, might have the best idea. Hurdle. You might have the best idea in the world for a business, and then when you look at the reality of dealing with everything you've got to deal with, how, how is the VAT, for instance? Have you seen, or will you see that decrease, oh, or is it going up? Or no, what? I, I, well, it, it, it's. I mean, it went, since it went up, um, you know, a few months back. I mean, my my September October VAT bill that was due in is just substantially substantially larger than the previous two months considering business across the board was pretty much similar. I mean, it wasn't like there was a whole spike in business. And it's great. I mean, I hear people saying there, and you had the council was on who was saying, you know, explain why when people had a bumper for Christmas, a bumper this. But it matters nothing when a VAT bill will come in now in about a month and a half time. It's just through the roof. I mean, we're talking high, high four figures for a small business my size, tipping into five figures, I would say. And I mean, you do the maths with how much you spend on a dinner. If you've got 20 seats at a restaurant, it doesn't take long to work out, I mean, how many services you need to get through just to pay that back, not to mind all the other costs. Yeah, just to break even, so, you're, you're going to have to do a certain amount of covers. I'd like, I mean, I'll, 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 state it, I'll state it very clearly here. I'm in this job for a passion because I, I love doing what I do. I love supporting Irish businesses. Um, I mean, our entire ethos is pretty much a, a farm to fork. We print our menus weekly with whatever our growers give us whatever Pat gives us with regards to fish in the English market, whatever meats we can get from the English market. And that's where I source everything. And then I put it all together and then I look at people who come in and we treat it like our house. And and then you pay out so very much and it's just like you're you're working very hard to support a completely Irish product and yeah, then you and, see and the city just dying it down. So you're, you're obviously doing your best to support the ecosystem of business in the city. Now, obviously, 100%. from a, from a food perspective. From a food perspective, from a grower perspective, I mean, we, we use um, a black farm out in Donnerail. And it's like, you know, from what we're doing in the city, we're helping putting money back in Donnerail, which is keeping patty in business, which is hence employing people that live out there. Like, 
there's such a network that goes on behind restaurants that people don't see. And unfortunately, just for the cost rising, I I mean, I have to charge for it. I, I work my business very simply. It works off percentages. As long as my percentages are all right, then I just keep doing that and I make my increases. And don't get me wrong, I put pricing down as well whenever it goes. Then that's how I work it. But, you know, all the raw costs and the cost of rates and getting letters in to pay 200 euro for a table outside my door for the council when it rains nine months out of the year. All these little things that are kind of going on are making very difficult to keep spending money on quality ingredients that this country produces. So what happens, first of all, is that you cut your hours. Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, go. And and, yes. and you close. Now you're only open Thursday to Sunday, is that right? Yes, yeah. You, in, 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 in this time now, I mean, you, you have to be busy when you're open. My my electricity bill went from 800 euro to two and a half grand. And that's maintained now. And that that's me... Like I said, taking out my three-phase coffee machine, turning off fridges whenever we go home, condensing things down. We're doing everything we can. But if you open up your doors and you say you open up on a Tuesday for a brunch or whatever it is you want to do, and there's nobody walking around the city, and you've got now you've got two members of staff there in the front, you've got three members of staff in the back, which is a very small team for the size of the business that we do. And then you have people just kind of bumming along around the streets, and you've taken 600 euros at best, 400 euros, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that that's not making money because yeah. there's nobody in the city. So you open, you open you know? shorter number of days and only open in the evenings. Yes, yeah. Unfortunately, there's you you can charge appropriately for meal times of You can charge appropriately for you know premium products. You can do all this. Whereas during the day now, the price it would cost you to put two eggs and two slices of toast on a plate, which is what a lot of people just want something small. It's not feasible. Mm. You know, and, and, and these sort of costs that are rising, that are spiraling out of control, are, are making a lot of these businesses, you know, collapse because, one, they need high foot traffic. You need high foot traffic when you're taking a small amount per table. And then not only that, but when your raw ingredients start getting too expensive that your small plates, your soups, your all this sort of stuff costs you a little bit more money, it makes it less appealing. No one's going to come in now and spend 30 or on a lunch when they've been getting it for 10 to 15, this sort of thing. And if you start raising your costs, you scare your customers away. It, it, it's just, it's a chicken and egg scenario that just keeps going round and round and round. And it, you'd like to think that like either the council was doing something about making business more attractive to be done in the city, or you'd like to see the government start doing something that makes the VAT rate go down so that we can actually sustain through all the other elements that are there. But neither of these things are happening and you find yourself just kind of bobbing along going, right, you know, how do we evolve? How do we shape our business? Where do we cut? Where can we bring it up? And that's daily. Daily, hourly, that's all the time. And that's before you switch on a light or cook an egg. That is before we switch on a light and cook an egg. That's exactly it. You know, it's... I mean, I can't even start kind of getting into just the madness of... You know, I think, I think Pat, Pat O'Connell coined as well when he said it's a perfect storm. Maybe the storm isn't here, but it's certainly brewing. It's brewing massively, and uh, Pat, like in fairness, Pat's a, Pat's a great man. Like he, he's he's fabulous for the English market, and he speaks so much sense. And I, I was listening to him, and I, I mean, tick tick tick, he's saying all the right things. And I just think, as a for one, there's got to be a community of businesses in the city. We've got to get together. We've got to work with our council. I, I think it's great when kind of people say this has worked in Germany or this has worked here, but I don't know why we're basing things that are maybe working in different countries when we're not kind of sitting talking to the local businesses 
about what their pains are and what their strifes are. Yeah. And we're, we're, what's, what's, what's the origin of your name, your surname? Z-A-G-A-R. It's, it's, yeah, it's Croatian. It's about maybe three, and, three ancestors ago, three generations ago. Okay. Uh, they, they, I, I haven't seen it before. I was just, so I was just wondering. All we can do is all we can do is wish you the best and, and make people aware that you're, you you're there. You're struggling to keep going. You're open Thursday to Sunday from uh, what five p.m. Yeah, we're open from five p.m. You know, and, and when you like, we're struggling as in like we're we're struggling with normal climate and whatnot. But as a business, we're okay. we're doing well. We're creating a good product, and I think that's important. I think people need to just. Please remember to support local. If we take anything from these conversations, is to support, support local. Support local. It's very important. And the address and the name of the restaurant is 51 Corn Market Street. And thank you so thank much. Thank you very much. Good morning. Call Neil now. 0818 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. I'm gonna pick up the pieces and build a Lego house. And this morning we'll finish up with Graham Young, Lego Leprechaun. Good morning to you, Graham. Good morning, Mike. How are you? A little bit of Ed Sheeran there. I was hoping to have more time to talk to you than I actually have. I've got about four minutes. Uh, you built more than a Lego house. You built a Lego city. It took you eight years to do it. Tell us about it. Yeah, um, well, how it all started just quickly was that I'm... Um, I was always interested in kind of little knick-knack building and hobby stuff and uh, probably about nine years ago I was kind of looking into I, I suppose I had an interest in the uh, Japanese history so I always wanted to build something of a kind of um, a model table it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been specifically Lego at the time um, I was looking for it would have been just something maybe to you know the way you see those lovely um, creative mountains and trees that can actually look quite real in detail mm-hmm. I was kind of aiming in that direction so what I did was I, I said I'll pop up to Smith's Toys and Kinsella uh, Roundabout and just see could I see anything about figurines and stuff like that so out of nostalgia I was just going through the different aisles and then I just had the Lego aisle and I said you know what I'll pop down there and have a gander and little did I know that you know, when I was a kid, Lego would have been based around, I suppose, city and space is what I would have known it to be. Um, but, of course, over the years, they developed different themes. So you have superhero, you've got city, you've got friends. And then I saw the Ninjago one, which was just the little ninja figurines and the temples and stuff that was there, you know. And so, I thought, that looks quite interesting. How, how, many Lego, how many Lego bricks do you estimate you've put together over eight years? Oh, jeez. Um... I would probably say... Close to a million? <laughs> it would have been close to a million. I mean, back and forth, up and down, you know. There's just so much. It was a hobby that just took me by surprise and how much I got into it. Like, when you go out, in my case, there's a large shed I have, and when you go out there and you start building, you just don't realise time gone by. I yeah. mean, eight hours could go by. You'd have a bottle of water in the corner, that'd be it. Like, and <laughs> your head is just stuck. And I became obsessed. Like, we obviously, I, love, I absolutely love it. You know? We obviously can't do justice to it on the radio, but, but your Lego leprechaun on YouTube and Instagram, is that correct? That's it, yeah. Why are you dismantling? Why why are you taking it down, Um, Graham? Because the shed that I have, the existing one, isn't big enough. It's biggish, but it's not big enough for what I want to do regarding my dream with it. And so I took about probably a year out from it, the building part of it, just 
planning on a larger kind of a shed for us. So I've just built my own shed there, custom size specifically for this. So when I say I'm stripping it down, it's not that I'm catching it, putting it down and putting it away. I just want to expand. So I'll be breaking down, um, we'd say, the majority of what's there. Plus your skill improves over years and I can see what I can do better now yeah. with it. So when I break it down, I keep certain things, but then I'll, I'll uh, redo other things, you know? Yeah, so you, this is a huge endeavour. So you're going to be documenting the whole process in detail over the coming months on yeah, Instagram another, and on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. I mean, another thing I, I, I suppose I learned over time was that I was murdered for just picking up the brick and, and building and I'd forget to pull a camera out. And then you pull a camera out at the end project and you take a picture of it and Instagram it and people would like it, but they would come on in the comments and say, look, is there any chance you could show us how you did what you did? Yeah. You know? So I said, this time around, I'm going to strip it down. There'll be two or three cameras on me at all times. And then the videos are starting to go out and the posts are going up. I just had to get better at that side of it because you're not only a builder, but you're a content creator, exactly. a video editor, Hopefully, a producer. You, you have got to do it all, you know? Hopefully you can monetize your activities. So, but people can get more information well, under Lego Leprechaun if they want to see exactly the size Lego, of yeah, your endeavor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You'll see it there, especially on Instagram. I just posted uh, what I will be changing in a sense of what is, and I said the last few pictures of the existing, and then keep keep um, keep in tune to see what's coming. Yeah. Okay, Graham. Uh, Lego Leprechaun mm-hmm. is where you'll find the details. Uh, and well done. Thanks for yeah. coming on, and greetings to everybody in Cove. Thanks. 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 Thank you very much. All the best. My Hi, thanks to thanks. Bye. 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 My thanks to the Neil Prendival show producers Seamus Wheeler and, and Claire O'Connor. First one's always a bit rickety uh, as you settle into the hot seat, but uh, went pretty well, I think. So thanks to uh, the guys. And we're back in the morning after news at nine. When court talks, car people blow my mind. They talk to Neil Prendival on Red FM.